<laughs> and, you do, and you see, and you see, it's extra hilarious. The, the presenters of the awards are way more representative than anyone nominated for them. <laughs> A thousand years dungeon. On the subject of um. Uh, Onanism. <laughs> On the subject of uh, non-diverse uh, nominees, I saw a Little Women the other day. Oh, yay! Greta Gerwig's film. What do you think? It's very good. Is it a good one? She should have been nominated for Best Director. Is, is um, Anya Taylor-Joy uh, a Taylor-Joy? No, you're thinking of Little Women. Uh, not Little Women. You're thinking of Emma. Oh, my apologies. Emma. I knew she was in a period piece. I was talking about Little Women. Yes. Which ah. is Shusha Ronan and oh, Shusha Ronan, Emma Watson yes. and... Florence Pugh and a Florence Pugh right that's it Florence Pugh I always for some reason in my head swap the names and faces uh, with with Florence Pugh and Anya Taylor-Joy I can't remember who plays Beth but someone plays Beth newbie and she's ace maybe Beth's the one who dies Beth's the little woman who dies Um, spoiler alert for how old is the the book 18 something something late 1800s yeah so uh, Um, if you don't know the story by now I like how the marketing because who's the distributor uh, Sony. Sony, right. It's a Pascal Pictures joint. Right, so I love how the... Ma- a, that's how you use your powers for good, Amy Pascal. Yeah. Stop doing the Spider-Man shit. B, I love how there's some very subtle Sony marketing going on, because I remember that at least two of the posters feature, you know, your central four. Mm. But Emma Watson, on both of these posters I've seen, is just slightly separate from the others. And facing front a little bit more, even though it's not like plastered as a name thing. Yeah. Because you know someone at Sony Pictures is like, we've got to put the Harry Potter girl on the Potter People have got to know the Harry Potter girl. They're not going to come see it unless Harry Potter girl. Harry Potter girl. Also, Laura Dern and Bob Odenkirk, also very good. I've heard that Bob Odenkirk is very Bob Odenkirk. So Bob Odenkirk. But in the best possible way. In the Bob's possible I mean, Kirk. It's, it's Bob Odenkirk. There is no bad way to be Bob Odenkirk. That's very true. Um, I was watching. Uh, I was binge watching a bunch of Drunk History, the US version on on YouTube the other day, and he he's one of those actors who uh, recurred in like a series of it and stuff. Oh yeah. Whenever he pops up in it, I'm just immediately like, oh, Bob Odenkirk. Like everyone else, I can kind of just do. Oh, Jack Black's there. Tony Hale, great. You know. Um. Oh, Bob Odenkirk. Oh, he just sticks out like a Bob Odenkirk. <laughs> He's Odin kirking it. He's kirking it up a tree. As opposed to Picarding it up a tree, which we'll get to later. Uh, hey! But engaged. first. But first. No, you're not engaged, you're married. Um, <laughs> hey! Uh, we're going to go through some little bits of these. Not a massive news week this little week. Little bits. Some little bits. Put them in your mouth. Ma- put them in your mouth. Fucking. Uh, fucking mouth. Yeah. A couple of little bits of news. Uh, first of all, the, the one you oh, brought up. By the way, oh, yeah. uh, I'm Chris, not Meg Johnson. Yes, I'm I'm Matthew Hazelnut Praline Watson. There we go. It's branding. We've got to get it out um, there. Patreon.com slash BigDumbCaster. Okay. Cinnamon. Um, <clears throat> so. <laughs> what are we doing? News, probably. Right. This was it. This was it. I had a moment. <laughs> So the most interesting tidbit, which you brought to my attention, yes. which I cannot believe. I think it was the first thing I said when I walked through the door, right? I am. <laughs> I am a gog. I am a ghast. <clears throat> Is this movie getting rebooted at last? <laughs> They're doing a fucking Anaconda reboot. Yep. 
What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. What the fuck, Richard? <clears throat> yeah, uh, who are the writers again? There's a um, pedigree. Ooh, I mean pedigree. And by pedigree, I mean they've written scripts. Pedigree is in dog food. Um, <laughs> Evan Darter, who wrote the Tomb Raider and the Shadow Snow of the White, White and the Huntsman. He, Tomb Raider, the... Ooh. the um, Alicia Vikander. Alicia Vikander one, which was so... This is basically not as fun as playing the game. Even the my film. dad thought it was not very good. And your dad is... Has no taste. Your dad is a film apologist. He is a film apologist. He, he has watched... all the Underworld films. He, oh, God. He owns all the... Un... He's got a franchise shelf, which has a bunch of DVDs, like, grouped into franchises, and one of them is Underworld. And yet he did not care. And he did not care for, for the Tomb Alicia Raider. Vikander Tomb Raider movie from 20... 18, I want to say. He owns, he owns Batman vs. Superman and Justice League. What's wrong with him? He ain't heavy. He's, He's my, my dad. Father. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, someone has to own them. So the rest of us can have Wonder Woman and Shazam. And maybe Aquaman, if they're feeling I think nasty. he has also got Wonder Woman and Aquaman, but he does have <clears throat> he does have BVS and, and Justice League. Does he have Shazam yet? Oh, uh, no. He we must not. fix this. I don't think he's seen Shazam. <clears throat> we must fix this. He's not seen Shazam. Do you think he, uh, do you think he, Anaconda can be fixed? Anaconda, man. What a fucking weird thing to read. 1997, now referred to as cult movie, but at the time it was it was like one of the big summer tent poles that year Just... because it starred J Lo, like at the not so much the height of her powers, but as her powers as were she beginning was ascending, to. Yeah, yeah. J Lo, Ice Cube, Ice, Ice Cube was in movies. Bless him. Uh, John Voight, Eric Stoltz, Eric Stoltz, Danny Trejo, of course. And yeah, well, he's, he's only in it for a little bit, Danny Trejo. Owen Early Wilson. Owen Wilson. Yeah. And also that bit where John Voight <clears throat> winks as he's spat out by the anaconda. <laughs> yeah, that's freaking weird. Um, I mean, John Voight is weird. It's, the whole film's weird. For those There's who don't a know, reason him and Angelina Jolie don't talk. And it's yeah. Definitely oh, well, because I mean, he's fucking weird. You've looked at any of his political posts, right? It, the guy's psychotic. He's like he's like the, the Randy Quaid of uh, Trump supporters. The Randy Quaid? Oh, that's a fucking... Yeah. That's a... Like he's ooh. one step away from having sex with somebody ooh. in a MAGA hat on camera and just screaming Trump 2020 down the barrel. Um, Anaconda, for those who don't know, is a movie where there's journalists and researchers go to find this... Big old fucking snake. Yeah, they go to the Amazon. Big snake. John Voight is their guide slash a pirate, kind of, and yeah. fucks him over. And Angelina 1997 CG. No, I wish Angelina Jolie was the actual heroine in it. That'd is she be not? awesome. No, no Angel- J-Lo. Fucking hell, J-Lo. Angelina Jolie Angelina Jolie would have added John Voight on the brain. Angelina Jolie. That's never a good thing. I know. Angelina Jolie would have added a bit of much needed, like, joie de vivre into joie it. Joie de vivre. Probably. The thing is, it's... It... Are you saying that Ice Cube and Eric Stoltz can't bring the <laughs> Now, Ice Cube, from my memory, Ice Cube's pretty decent at it. But here's the thing. I mean, Ice Cube's it, pretty decent at it. It's a monster movie, but it's a monster movie without teeth, which is ironic, because uh, large constructors have uh, sort of backwards-facing fangs, which is actually the most frightening thing about them. Because if they do manage to grab prey while it's still alive, they can't wriggle out of the mouth because the teeth are basically scraping them in toward the throat. Yes. Well, fact there. See, anacondas could be great monsters in a horror movie. Well, they, they did. Absolutely could be. It got at least two sequels, so. Uh, five films Whoa! in total. Five, five in total films, I believe. I know there was Hunt for the Blood Orchid, which is I... a theatrical sequel, and yes. the rest were all straight to and the video. And it was shit. Because I remember picking that one up and going. I think I 
like Anaconda. I always catch I it on think TV. I like it. Well, it's one of those films that got a lot of airtime in the UK on telly in the early 2000s. Like, yeah. Anaconda was one of those films that circulated a lot. Yeah. And I remember Hunt for the Blood Orchid coming out in, what, 2005 or six. And the DVD in Woolworths, very soon after its release, was like a four-pounder. Four pound DVD, which is very heavy for a DVD. And it's I was, a bit of plastic. <laughs> it's fine. And I was binging through like, like horror films, and monster movies at this point in my life. So I was like, I think I like Anaconda. I'll pick up Hunt for the Blood Orchid. Go for it. Boom. I watched it once. Never watched it again. And then gave it away free at a car boot sale at Bowlers a few years ago when I was sold some DVDs. I'm gonna have to watch Anaconda again. Aren't <clears throat> nope. <laughs> Don't bother. <laughs> It's not good. <sighs> the thing is, it's 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 it could be a great monster movie of the nineties, but they use practical effects sparingly and don't shoot them well. And then they do something which no film I think has ever fixed. Really, they begin the trend of here's a snake in a movie in CGI. It never looks good. It looks shit. It never looks good. Always looks shit. I think the closest we've had to that not looking shit is the twenty sixteen Jungle Book. Yeah. Um. And even then, that's because there was only one human element and not live sets. So you can make it look good. Because it's like, oh, this is what the whole scene looks like. This is a person in a cartoon. Yeah. Whereas Anaconda did not look good. None of its sequels do. Some of the sequels have the Hoff in. True story. Um, you, you are yanking my fucking chain. I'm not even kidding. It's a whole... Fr- Seriously, when Sharknado 2, whatever it was, came out, mm. I was... Uh, I was at the time uh, making uh, comic book related uh, pop culture content for a previous podcast project that went fucking nowhere and uh, I was looking up as opposed to this comic book pop culture podcast project which is going fucking nowhere I got a coffee out of it and we never changed the feed at any point so everybody's been out to listen uh, since day one. Okay. So, uh, but I was I was writing like little article tidbitty things for Tumblr and, and for a prospective site that never happened and um when I was doing it, uh, uh, one of the Sharknado sequels had come out, and I was like, right, let's see how many of these sort of cheesy franchises, you know, how many have pushed to a multiple film kind of thing. Because I remember seeing films in, like, Matalan as a kid at the queue for things like Spiders and Spiders 2. And just like, what is this? The just fuck like, is just this? Just, like, straight to video compilation The kind of films nonsense, that yeah. definitely sold a lot in the late 90s, early 2000s, but when you look them up online, there's barely any information about oh, yeah, them yeah. at all. Yeah. Even on IMDb, it's just the bare minimum. Because you just like pick them up for a quid. It's nuts. So I was like, let's see how many there are. It's a quid for five. And I remember scrolling through this list of, like, recently released ones, and it was, like, Anaconda 3. And I was like, whoa, now! There's a third one? Yeah, that series went on. When are we getting the Anaconda... Angela Anaconda crossover. Um, Angela versus Anaconda. Angela v Anaconda. <gasps> Anaconda v Anaconda. And the poster is just her looking slightly miffed. And that one practical shot of the puppet head of the snake from the first film that they really well, liked so much that they kept doing the same close up throughout the film. What about if they have it where as like a supervillain mm. origin movie where Angela Anaconda takes control of the Anacondas? And it becomes ah. Angela's anacondas, <laughs> and then yeah. they do. Then they do a just call them in character Angela. Then you nod. Then they do a maudlin sort of family drama sequel set in um, d- d- Depression era Ireland, and call it Angela's Anacondas Ashes. Oh, good lord! <laughs> <laughs> I'm, for- I'm forcing a segue into the next item right um, now. Obi-Wan oh is on hold. <clears throat> Obi-Wan's delayed. Uh, the Disney Plus I wonder, series. I wonder what hold music 
it get it, he gets while he's on the phone? Is it like jizz? Just to clarify, that's the name of the music yeah, in Star Wars. Some light jizz music. <laughs> no, I bet he gets lift music versions of the John Williams themes. <laughs> Ding! Oh, there is this floor. Hello there. Um, oh, no. <laughs> it's not a phone, Obi-Wan. It's, it's just a repeat. Um, <laughs> it's just the music looping. Uh, this is all rumour that's been escaping and dribbling out, but a few different outlets have, have what, like jizz music? It. Like jizz music. Um, <laughs> apparently, script writer, uh, one of the main writers, is no longer on it, but his work is going to be used. Mm. Uh, they're looking for new writers. Um, allegedly the six episode series has been reduced to four episodes. Yeah. And Ewan McGregor did a bit of an interview for someone else this week and it was asked to him like, Hey, we've heard that there's been delays in Obi-Wan's productions or something. And he says, yeah, there's been a bit of rejigging going on. Um, but we're still going to get it out for when we plan to, and it's still going to be absolutely amazing. Like it's a really good story. La la la. Of course, when he says it's going to be out when we wanted it to, no date has been set for this series yet. So we can so say that and get away with it. say that and it could be like in seven years' time. Um, but rumour rumor has it ooh, that the reason it's being rejigged, and this is again, this is, I've heard this from very vocally anti Kathleen Kennedy news sites <laughs> and also very like open, not pissy yeah, yeah. thingy news sites that apparently it's because of story similarities to The Mandalorian that went. Uh, unchecked by the head honchos, so Kathleen Kennedy and those in charge of Star Wars. Yeah. Until they were, someone pointed out, you do realize this is similar. This right? is the same thing, yeah. And then they've gone, oh shit! Which, if that is true, is very unfortunate because it shows a whoever it be, be it Kathleen Kennedy or others around her, it shows a massive lack of awareness of their own. Well, it's, products. it's it, Pablo Hidalgo and the story group are the people who are supposed to keep a check on that. So it depends what. True. It well, depends, it depends on, on how long it's taken them. Get their hands on that. Depends yeah. on how long it's taken them for them to get a meeting as well. Oh yeah. Because yeah. these guys are always busy. Um, that's what. That's why you should never have the creative head necessarily also being the like the head producer of it all too. Yeah. Like Kevin Feige has only in the last few years been made the head of Marvel Studios. He was the overseer and exec producer for it all and, and whatnot. Now that he's in that role, there are things happening that make us go, ooh, this looks like there's a bit of chaos going on now, which is a shame now that he's less hands-on. Well, yeah, because we've got a couple of Marvel projects that are a bit... We do indeed. Yeah, we've got... Um... We covered Doctor Strange of the Week. Um, yeah. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness lost Scott Derrickson as, as its director. He cited publicly over creative differences. Yeah. As well as releasing a few not that bitchy, but slightly salty sort of posts and tweets in mm. relation to it. Or at least endorsed retweets of, of people making jokes about it. Uh, um, Captain Marvel 2 <laughs> has uh, switch writers. They're, they're on to Megan McDonald for the screenplay, who's currently working on WandaVision. Uh, though they're also looking for a um, new director as well. So not returning directors. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. They said that they are looking, uh, like, visibly looking for female talent. Uh, yes. Which, <clears throat> A... Yes, also need more of that in Hollywood, in the mainstream especially. B, yes, because there's a level of perspective there that a male director would not necessarily bring if we are getting more personal with Carol, of course. Yep. But C, 
I hope that doesn't mean they're ruling out every option, because if so, that is that weird kind of, oh, guys, come on. Yeah. Like, you just, mm, be careful. So, we're all for it, but as it just I hope it's the right person and that somebody can get to shine and, and make well, an absolute killing and mark it as like, oh my god, she's freaking great. Can, they should she, have a bit can of time. she do more of these big action temples, please? They should have a bit of time because uh, they're targeting a 2022 release. Okay, so uh, production window-wise for the MCU, that's not too bad. And also keep in mind, um, there's a big gap at the moment. This year we're only getting two Marvel movies. Um, after having a shit long gap between Spider-Man and uh, Black Widow, which is out in May? Yeah. April for the UK, I think. Like, yeah. last week of April. Uh, and then Eternals in November. I think we're going to, um, I think we're going to ramp up. <clears throat> I think we'll probably have a quiet year. I think that's a good call. And after after the finale, again, unquote, yeah, yeah. it's a good idea to take a step back. To reset. But we also, we don't know what the Fantastic Four and X-Men plans are yet. Yeah. We do know what's happening with their TV stuff, though. Something else that's thrown yeah. under, under so, the bus. Yeah, so remember those Hulu animated projects? Yeah, which were not MCU connected, but were made by Marvel Studios with Hulu as part of Disney and Hulu's ongoing relationship. And we're going to be interconnected. <clears throat> those shows were going to interconnect, so, yeah. So, to lead to The Offenders. Yes. Well, they've uh, been slashed in half. Yeah, we've lost two shows. Um, we've lost Howard the Duck and we've lost Tigra and Dazzler. So that leaves us with Hitmonkey and Modoc. Modoc recently got a voice cast announcement. Um, but it also means that <laughs> if the, if you're having them, then there's probably no going to lose the offenders. Yeah, they're uh, going to do the offenders in some way. Um, but yeah. Which I don't uh, mind in a way, because this is amidst rumours again that Disney Plus or one of the films is about to utilise some of the Netflix characters. As the legal statute is now about to be released, yes, uh, so the two-year two limitation on their use. There's some stuff happening, so it, it's possible Possibly. that maybe they're scaling back on that to focus on their TV um, efforts elsewhere, yeah. budget-wise, or maybe because they're like, we don't want to do the offenders and then bring back the defenders, and yeah, you yeah. know, we want to do this, that, and the other with it. But we've, you know, they've got, they've got a lot of projects in the works. Yeah. Not everything's going to make it out. <clears throat> they do, they do that thing of announcing really early, and then going, mm. "Oh, actually," so they announce that the stuff's in, in place before they've even really got any of the work done. Yeah. So if it stalls, then it just looks bad for everyone. But they've already announced it, so they have to be like, "Oh, well, actually, it didn't work out." So I think they should let these things get a bit more into development before they announce them. But that's just me. I that's what I only, do. I think the only industry that ever announces things when everything's like ninety percent done is the voice acting industry, or of animated films and animated stuff. You know, when they always say such a body's going to be voicing such a body in this thing that comes out next week because they've like, already recorded it yeah, a year ago. But they always they always word it as like. Uh, we've cast Thingy as this yeah. part and it's always announced as like a, isn't that great? It's like, guys, they'll have recorded their lines like two years ago oh, yeah. Yeah, and in the yeah. last month you'll have got them in to just do a couple of ADR pickups. Like, that's literally, that is literally, uh, you've announced it now because they've like locked their lines. The only time I can think of in recent memory where that didn't happen is with, um, uh, what's your Macaulush? Uh, Despicable Me too. Where Al Pacino was announced as being the villain. Oh, yeah, yeah, And yeah. then about a month before the film came out, it was like, yeah, no, he's not playing him anymore. And they got someone else to come in and, like, go over all of his stuff. And I think that was probably because they couldn't get him back for the ADR. I think, if I remember correctly, they cited that there was a creative difference of some kind. Whether that be with Al Pacino and the filmmakers or with, like, Pacino's people. And the creative difference is more... Yeah, we'd like to creatively change this contract for more money. Please. Yeah, the difference was about was a zero. <laughs> yeah, fucking hell. somewhere in the paycheck. Um, so, uh, I'm hoping everything works out for Marvel, um, and it's not like Kevin Smith 
is not going to be busy now that he's not showrunning Howard the Duck because he's also showrunning Masters of the Universe for Netflix. So everything will be all right. So. A needle pulling thread. Remember that Transformers franchise that Paramount ran into the ground and then they made a good one, but it was too late for no one to care? Yes. So they might be they might be carrying on with that. Oh, right, so doing more Transformers films. Apparently so. In the in the, the semi-rebooted Bumblebee continuity? Well, sort of. Will John Cena be involved? Possibly. They're called Decepticons. It's in their name. <laughs> that Bumblebee's really good, guys. Go, go watch Bumblebee. But, no, well, here's the thing. They are... Well, apparently, Paramount are apparently working on two new Transformers movies. Um, Presumably, one being a sequel to Bumblebee. That's being written by uh, Joby Harold, who's currently working on Army of the Dead with Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder! Zack Snyder! Um, and the other, being written by James Vanderbilt, is apparently a Beast Wars project. What the Jimmy So apparently fuck? they're looking at doing Beast Wars! Oh, sorry. Here we go, I'm going to play the video. You ready? Oh no, I've got no sound on. There it was. Probably what Beast Wars. Listen to uh, that 90s ass fucking chugging theme. Look at that 90s ass CGI animation. Oh my god. Oh, yeah, that was the thing. They said terrorize before they transformed. Per- Predacon said terrorize. Maximal said maximize. Oh, good lord. But then Dinobot switches to maximize later on because he changes teams. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, he does. He still has his evil voice. Yeah, but then he sacrifices himself later on. Good God. And then gets resurrected and is an evil dude. In Beast three. Wars. Beast Wars was alright. Beast Wars was alright. The toys were excellent. But Beast Wars is the only one of those late 90s, early 2000s, it's an era we keep calling back to, um, shows made completely with CGI that has aged alright in certain ways based solely on the fact of location, location, location. Prehistoric Earth. Prehistoric very, very Earth. few humans. Very few humans. Very few life in the frame at all beyond our central characters. Lots of desert, lots of rocks, lots of quarries. Reason that makes it age better? You guys go back and watch any fucking episode of But Ugly Martians. Go back and watch Reboot. Reboot, well, Re- Reboot kind of gets away with it because it's all set in a computer, technically. Just go back and watch Reboot. All right. You know that got a reboot, funnily enough. About yeah, 10 years like a stealth ago. reboot. Yeah, and it was a continu- it was a continuation of the original. Yeah, a stealth reboot reboot. Yeah, but it didn't go massive, and again, like the Anaconda sequels, you can only really find out much about it by looking at a reboot wiki. <laughs> this is the second week in a row you and I have mentioned reboot. We talked about it last week, uh, like off the pod, but we there's got to be it. some kind of convergence coming. We're gonna have to. There's going to be some sort of reboot thing coming down the pipe, surely. Do you remember playing Megabyte? Uh, that voice actor supreme, D- Tony J. See, I was going to say David K because he sounds like... He does a bit, doesn't he? The Beast Wars Megatron, who's David K. Yeah, no, it's Tony J. Yeah. And it's interesting because Megabyte's most defining facial feature is his big old chin. Uh, yeah, okay, okay. Doesn't he sort of look like a, uh, a blue metal Shere Khan? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Tony J then voiced Shere Khan in Jungle Book 2. Uh... I think, uh, conspiracy theory, I think that's why he was cast as Shere Khan. Not because he sounds like George Sanders. Or sounded like George Sanders. Rest in peace, uh, Tony J. But uh, because he he played a character with the same chin size in uh, an animated Fantastic. series. Fantastic. 
I'll run it. Well, the chin's very important for the voice. <coughs> very true. I'll run it. R.I.P. Yeah. Kobe Bryant and Terry Jones. But one more Neither thing. Neither of you are Tony Jay, but I just thought I'd throw it in there. One more thing before we move on to um, the, uh, the the Picard section of the show, where we talk about the latest <laughs> Star Wars. Our new item, Matt and Chris, hopefully continue to talk uh, favourably about uh, Picard. Um, <laughs> okay. So you know my favourite movie of all time? The Thing. And you remember how we got a prequel, which people don't really like, but I will stand up for? It makes for a really good double bill. Like, it's on Netflix at the moment. Yeah, oh, okay. So you can revisit it whenever you yeah, fancy yeah, yeah. it at the moment. Yeah, the prequel, the prequel is what I... Put it this way. Put the thing prequel under the background while you're making and eating tea. And then when tea's finished and you've got your ice cream and your booze, then watch the thing. It's a nice double bill. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's my recommendation. All right, all right, all right. It doesn't deserve all your attention. Um, but it deserves some attention. Well, <laughs> it looks like Blumhouse and Universal, that that good old... Ah, Blumhouse, the monobrow purveyors of the jump scare. That good old... Um, I do like them, but they are a know, bit like... The, that, their ratio is now kind of equal. The fucking A-team. Yeah. Um, they're fast-tracking a new The Thing... What? Because what? because what? in twenty eighteen, um, John Betancourt announced the discovery of a novel length version of the uh, Joseph W. Campbell John W. Campbell Junior uh, novella, Who Goes There, on which the thing from another world and the thing was based, and uh, kickstarted to release kickstarted a, a campaign to release it. And the novel's titled Frozen Hell. And it's basically um, an unabridged version of the novella, which had to be shortened for publication. Um, so... There's some... I'm guessing then there's some similar beats in there to Who Goes There. It's it's Who Goes There, but novel length. So if the thing, the movie, the thing, yeah. were remade, but the person who remade it just randomly removed and rewrote some of the scenes. So <laughs> stuff we remember happened in it, but there's also some well, other possibly, stuff that's new. Possibly. But, um... I don't want a remake of the thing, Matt. Well, the prequel was sort of not, a remake of the thing. It's not a... Yeah, to the point where people call it a remake. It's not a... It's clearly not a remake. I can see why they call it a remake, because it has the same fucking name. Yeah, it, that's weird. And the that same weird. And the same shit happens at certain points. Well, yeah, because it's the same thing. <clears throat> like, and that's why it's good as a double bill. It's literally bill. the same thing. That's why it's good as a double bill, because... Eh? That's why it's good as a double bill, because, like, you, at least if you're watching it just as a double bill, could be like, oh, that's how that axe got oh, there. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's, 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 um, it's, it's kind of the same movie, just a not as good version. So, do we need a third... Slash fourth version well, of the thing? Well, Alan Donners, who is the producer... He's rolling on the Donners. He posted over on Facebook. He posted, he posted. Did this he is the producer posted on Facebook. Good God. It's official. Yeah. I receive... I received my signed <laughs> contract and first check. I am executive producing a remake of The Thing, but with additional chapters of John Campbell's groundbreaking novel, Frozen Hell, that had been lost for decades. Now, for the first time ever, Campbell's full vision will be realised on the big screen. The new film will include the very best of RKO's The Thing from Another World, John Carpenter's classic The Thing, and both books, Frozen Hell and Who 
goes there. Someone in the comments, did you, are you going to say anything about the 2011 film, The Thing? Oh no. And then he blocks them and removes them. Because it was a remake of The Thing. Um, (laughs) But it wasn't though. For the first time ever, John Campbell's vision will be realised on screen. Dude, I don't think the John only Campbell way his vision, had a vision. Will be re- the only reason his vision to be re- the only way his vision will be realised on screen is if you just posted a film of a close up of the pages of the book because someone you turned it and everyone read it. Just someone reading the book, just not even just not even show the text of the book, just show someone reading the book, and every now and again they just turn to the camera and go, "Hmm, <laughs> hey guys, that's it. This, this is real good. This is good. <laughs> it's a real page turner." Point they go for a shit. <laughs> just put the book, just put the book face down, and then you have someone in the audience going, "I'll ruin the spine." <laughs> and that's just from the seats. Hey! hey, see what I did there? I took a book joke um, and I referenced that cinema seats are uncomfortable. So yeah, it's, this week's episode is brought to you by View. And uh, sorry, <laughs> I'm kidding. Cineworld. <laughs> Um, so, so yeah, that's that's uh, that's an interesting news week. That's some things that are happening. Thing, things what are happening. Are happening. Um, happening. I'm going to be seeing David Copperfield and the Lighthouse this week. So oh, beautiful. We've still seen Jojo Rabbit. We might. Oh, you should see. Jojo we were going to go on on Friday afternoon, and then the weather just kind of put us off. So it never happened. But we will see it because there are still many, many showings of it. Yes, it's very good. Which makes me happy. It's very good. In my pants. Um, it should make you happy in your pants. Does Hitler often make you happy in your pants? No. When he's no. played by Taika Waititi, perhaps. I mean, it depends what it depends what's happening to Hitler at the time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the worse it is for him, the better it is for me. So, Picard, Christopher. Christopher Picard. Yes. Number one. Um, <laughs> the Amazon Prime series. Amazon Prime. Amazon sequel Prime show. CBS All Access in the States. Yeah, sequel. Which is why we're not getting it all at once. <clears throat> Fair enough. I quite, I kind of yeah. like that. I like the idea that we have a point I've stopped TV binging again. series. Like, I, I, I've stopped binge watching stuff. I, I will, at, at I will most, deliberately space stuff out. At the most, I might watch two episodes of something in one sitting. Just if I'm yeah. like, oh, go on, I've got another hour. Yeah. And I enjoyed that. Let's have one more episode. I think the most I've done recently is I did three witches on the trot. Oh, did you toss a coin to your witcher I three times in a row? To my witcher. Several times. Oh, There's a lot of tossing in that show. Oh god, an arse is breaking pants. Apparently. Um, well, um, I hope <laughs> uh, Anya Shalotra, who plays Yennefer, got paid a very good amount for her the amount of flesh she has to bear on screen. I hope so. In and out of prosthetics as well. Yeah, bless her. She is a. Uh, she does. She does fucking good work and. Uh, <laughs> Oof, like maybe maybe it would suck to maybe find get some out less... she was not paid well for it. Yeah, if maybe she get some less, less nudity in in the in future uh, in future seasons. Unless you're comfortable with the nudity, in which case fair play to you. But I would I would demand more cavil, more, more cavil nudity. Oh, there's plenty of cavil nudity. Full st- frontal Geralt. Stop dehydrating yourself, cavil. <laughs> Stop it, lad. Stop it. Drink some fucking water. You're such a big or boy. Just be a dehydrate, big boy. and then when you're filming your nude scenes. Be drinking in the scenes. Yeah, yeah. Just, just drinking just, lots of water. Just be a big boy. Be a big old boy. Don't be a don't be a ripped boy. Just be a big boy. Big boy. Big boy Cavill. Big boy pants. <laughs> the chafe. Anyway, Picard. Uh, so oh, it's the sequel um, to Star Trek: The Next Generation. It's the sequel to all the Star Trek and Voyager and Deep Space Nine. It is, it is chronologically the the latest. Um, Star Trek we have seen to date. We won't go into because uh, we can do an episode when more episodes have come out, really. But we won't yeah. go into big spoilers. But no. we're gonna, we're gonna. There might be some 
mild spoilers, so mild spoiler warning for well, Picard the episode only, Juan. The only real spoilers we need to talk about are the, like, the setup for the premise of the series, which yeah. is that uh, Picard has retired his commission from Starfleet. Sort he's, of, he's an admiral. Um, yeah, he was an admiral. He was an admiral. Um, but he sort of embitteredly retired because, as we know from other Star Trek stuff, the Romulan sun went supernova. And the Romulan homeworld was destroyed. Mm-hmm. And Rom- Romulus, Romulus, Romulan. Um, yes, Romulus, Romulan, Romulus, um, Romu world, <laughs> Romu world. All your Rom needs. Um, <laughs> just not a home. CD Rom, DVD Rom, <laughs> BD Rom. All the Roms you need. Beta Max. No, no. <laughs> Get out! <laughs> Fuck off! Fuck you! Um, Your obsolete format. It's basically BHMV. Yeah, because it's all read-only memory. It's not like BDRW. Who has a BDRW drive? Who the fuck's burning Blu-rays? What are you doing? Um, <laughs> how do you even do that? Oh god! Uh, so. Picard, we're not Picard. dying because we don't want to talk about it. We're just very sleepy boys. Um, well, sleepy I'm sleepy boy. boy. You're, a, you're an active boy with I'm, your dreams. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big boy. Um, so I'm a big boy. I'm a brave boy. The beefy boy. Um, <laughs> he retired, and it seems for uh, a, ba- a reason of protest. Basically, there is um there was a, there was backlash to the Romulan evacuation effort, which Picard spearheaded because. The Federation and the Romulans have been enemies for so long, but there's a great moment in the episode where this journalist who I wanted to, I wanted to punch, him. yeah, she's I fucking to horrible. Punch. She's she's pushing him, and she's like, "Well, we want," and Picard said, "Well, we we needed to save, you know, thousands of lives." She's like, "Romulan lives, no lives," yeah. and it's that moment you're like, "Oh, Picard's back, yeah, Picard's there back, that's there Picard." Is. That's the this episode did a really good job of just reaffirming all the things I love. About the character of Jean Luc Picard, and about yet, how and he yet is also catching us up to where he is mentally yes. right now. The most telling little bit of "Here's what you're dealing with, folks" yeah. was toward the beginning when he first goes into his kitchen and he goes to his uh, replicator. Yes, yeah, and he goes T O Grey decaf. <laughs> because, well, and it's such a, n- a neat little moment, but you sort of go, "Yeah, he, I mean, yeah, he's he's old as balls." Well, according like, <laughs> according to like the people of done the maths on the like the timelines that have been presented in various um, Star Trek media Star Trek shows and I think he's 94 Picard's 94 in this fuck do humans live a bit longer uh, in yeah, Star yeah Trek? humans tend to live to about <coughs> 150 if they're like well looked after and he seems to be like yeah not enjoying retirement but at least at least benefiting from it sprightly he, he has a vineyard there is there is a, a, a nice sort of reality ensues moment later on where he's running from some pursuers and the, the woman he's with is way ahead of him, and he's like behind he's her. Knackered, he's like, yeah. <laughs> and it's not played for comedy. It's just no, like, no. It's, it's just it's, like fucking hell. He's old. It's like, yeah, he he's, he's, he's not an action hero anymore. He's not. And he never really was. No, like he, 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 could, he, he was dashing. He could, he could hold himself in a fight. Yeah. He could get himself out of a scrape, and he was a good shot. But like, like the closest you ever seem to him, ever really see him being an action hero is in First Contact. Yeah, which is mm. also the best of the next generation movies, um, and one of the best Star Trek <laughs> movies. Period. True. Um, uh, but like he's 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 retired to a vineyard. Yeah. He has uh, two sort of assistants who look after him, who are both, both Romulan, a, mar- a married couple. 
It's yes. implied. So presum- presumably they were two of the Romulans that he rescued that now are like look we're, after we're gonna him repay and, the favour. Yeah. Like we're gonna we're gonna basically like not like you know, we're indebted to we're alive to no like they work for yeah, him. No, they're, they're, no, his, they're, they're like, his assistants. But this is also this is, a, this is also a society which doesn't really have money or an economy. Yeah, true. So there's no one really has a, a job for money. That's just mm. their job. You know Another I mean? thing that this episode does really well is reintroduce like the idea of what Star Trek's always done really well, especially the '90s ones, because of the effects being able to achieve it better. Which is like several different species and and what oh, yeah, of the galaxy yeah. are just working and living together, no freaking qualms. So like, the main well, the main female character the, the, that we see in the trailer, Daj. Dodge. Uh, yeah. We see her with a boyfriend early on, and he's he's another species. And they're sort um, of playful. Like they're clearly new, a bit of a newish couple. Yeah, yeah. Because she's sort of asking him a little bit about like his species. Clearly, has sort of some level of empathic yeah. ability because yeah, yeah. you can tell that like she's she's got good news and she's keeping it secret, but he doesn't know what it is. And he's like, ah, it's a good thing, right? What is it? What's going on? Mm-hmm. And she's asking him about that sort of stuff, and it's like, this is cute. Like, look, it's a galaxy where people who are different. Are completely cool with that and yeah. are inquisitive with each other, not arsy about it. Except more on that later, Doctor Who. Except <laughs> unless you're a synthetic life form. Yes, because well, since have now since <coughs> as they're called have now been banned because during Romulan evacuation, a group of renegade synths, because Starfleet had been trying to replicate synthetic life forms based on Commander Data for mm. who's the only been the only truly sentient android. Yeah. Um, so the, the, so Starfleet have been trying to replicate that work for decades, but a group of renegades since used the the holes in Starfleet security created by the Romulan um, the Romulan uh, evacuation and bombed the Mars shipyards where a lot of the famous ships of the of the uh, of Starfleet were built to the point where twenty years later the atmosphere of Mars is still burning. Yeah. So shit went down. <laughs> shit went down. Synths were then immediately like outlawed and yeah. dismantled and rounded up. <clears throat> there are, as far as we know, none anywhere now at all. Um, we briefly visit like, not in the Federation anyway. No, we briefly visit one of the companies that like does research for the Federation and and their synthetics department is still open and still functions, but it's mostly used for archiving. And reference, well, despite being like clearly floors of practical labs. Well, and they can stuff. still research, but they can only do theoretical research. They can't yeah. actually build anything. Yeah. So, um, oh, and they've also got B four in a draw. Yes. Yeah, that was uh, disturbing. Um, um, uh, um. But yeah, there's there's the. I mean, little. If you're if you're a long term fan of it, certain references and certain little things will make yeah. you smile. Uh, if you know your Android lore as well, there's a bit of a mini. Uh, revelation toward the end for the synths where you sort of go of course of course um, and it's sort of the note the episode ends on a little bit um, oh and also there's a hell of a wham shot at the end of the episode <clears throat> oh god yeah because uh, that ends and I was like right wait what I had to explain that to Keeks what the fuck I had to explain what you're um, seeing at the end to Keeks and she was like it's a great uh, visual but why well. is that because imp- she's not watched a lot of TNG so but if you've watched a lot of TNG and Voyager then the last shot of the episode he'd be like well, that can't possibly go wrong, can it? Oh, dearie me, Holes. But also, what would you expect from a story about Picard? Like, Yeah, I mean, they're going to touch on this, yeah, surely. Yeah. 
Um, it was the biggest fucking trauma of his life yeah. at the time of that series. Um, uh, what else? Picard's having recurring dreams, which gives the show an excuse for Brent Spiner to appear. So Data appears in the show. With his big old old face. Yeah, which they sort it's of like, tried to... They try and work around the fact that Brent Spiner's fucking 30 years older than he was when he last played Data, but, you know, you can't. See, I think it's fine, but I, th- I have a sense that they've tried to CGI him. I don't, I don't mind it, because what are you going to do? Like, don't CGI him, just make him up, man. It's, uh, it's cool. He's, a dream. He's in a dream. Yeah, that's true. It's in a dream. Like, why not make him look a bit older? Picard always thought of him as human. So, like, be like, yeah, sod it. But in terms of, like, the characters, I mean, the the only two recurring characters we see in this are Picard and the dream sequence data. data. But it just, it does feel like they've did you spot they've some never stepped away like little, just... well, speaking of did you spot some lovely little easter eggs in the archive room like the banner oh yeah stuff. the banner for Picard oh. Day and all that oh it's, so cute like the Klingon <coughs> the Klingon backleth and yeah. ceremonial knives and all that that's one of those I, I, I kind of want to go back to that scene and just freeze frame it and be like Right, what do we got? All this stuff. <laughs> what we got? But again, not overblown. There's no like big fanfare. There's no like no, no. It's shots. just they just vet. like the banner's the only thing that sort of gets a bit of focus. And I think that's that's important that's because, because he looks up at it and he just sort of smiles and you're like, ah. Well, one of the th- one of the do you I guys think... remember when you were younger and that show was on TV and life was less complicated? It's on Netflix so now. Picard. Fuck it. Um, well, the thing <laughs> the thing the great thing about Picard is that Patrick Stewart's an exact producer. Yes. And the thing that stopped him from coming back to the character for so long is he explicitly didn't want it to be for nostalgia's sake. Yeah. So for him to come back to this and be involved in it, well, you know Alex that they're not going to... and Akiva Goldsman apparently yeah. the ones who approached him. Yeah. And they went like, hey, dude, we've got an idea. We're only going to do it, obviously, if you want to. What do you think? And like, out of his very few conditions, um, one of them was... He's an old man living on a vineyard. Yes, he has staff. Yes, he's got carers. Yeah. But he's an old man living on his own. I want him to have a dog. And a, and a pit bull. And a pit no bull, less. specifically, cause, because you know, they are outlawed in the UK and several other countries for being, quote-unquote, Pat- violent dogs. Patrick Stewart is, is heavily lobbying for the law to be reversed and pit bulls to be re-legalised in the UK. Yeah, and I, you know, I'm a f- I'm I'm a firm believer that <clears throat> dogs are only as dangerous as their owners. Yeah, I so. mean, there, there can be breeding issues. There absolutely can be that yeah. stuff where, like, they are, you know, the 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 there's ticks and behavioural stuff that just sort of seems to be inherent. But well, a lot of the time, if, it, if a dog's dangerous, it's because it's been it's called trained or yeah, mistreated. Someone has taught it to be, or it's been neglected for a very long time. Yeah. Um, and is just sort of relying more on instinct and 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 uh, defensive attitudes. And pit bulls can be fucking adorable because, of course, they number can. Number one, and he calls number it number one. He's such a good boy. He calls it number one. He's such a good boy. <laughs> um, He's the best boy, and he speaks French to it. <laughs> just in case you forgot that Jean-Luc Picard is supposed to be French. He's been teaching it French. Yeah, he's, he's been, been teaching, teaching number French. one French. Um, I love I, it. The all the music is gorgeous. The score is beautiful. It's, yeah. Uh, very briefly, you will hear the familiar, uh, some familiar music. And at the end, I was like, join it. I was like, right, hang on. That's not from the series. That's not from Next Gen. Why is that? It's some of the score from Star Trek: The Motion Picture. Crops up in it because Star Trek: The Motion Picture's themes were reworked into the Next Generation. Yeah. The main theme for Star yeah. Trek: The Motion Picture. Is the main theme for Next Generation because those two projects basically started as the same thing. Yeah. They both started as Star Trek Phase 2. Oh, but God. My and, and, but, and then that, that was eventually reworked into the motion picture. And when they came back to Revival... Well, why not? 
when it came time to revive um, it for TV, they reused a lot of the ideas from Star Trek Phase 2 and by extension the motion picture in The Next Generation. Included the theme music. Which is... I always get confused. What's Voyager? Oh, it's slower. I can't remember the. Vo- I can't hum the Voyager theme. Du, 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 du. Something like that. Something like that. What was Deep Space Nine? Um. Da, 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 da. Something like that. What was what was Enterprise? This is a Firefly ripoff. Okay, um, it's been a long road. Oh God, yeah. Russell Watson. It was. Oh, it was. It wasn't was Russell it? Watson. Sulfur's own. Sulfur's own Russell, Russell Watson. Fucking hell. Getting from there to here. <laughs> it's been a long road, but my time is finally here. What's Discoveries? Oh, I can't remember. There we are. Um, uh, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it's good. We, we stopped. It out. is good, but it's not hummable. After after Picard, Lucy and I said to each other, "We're like, where did we get up to in Discovery? So I think we got seven episodes in. Did we not like I it? I have not finished season one. Did we, like, did we not like it? No, we did like it. I do why like it? We... I'm just not carrying on with it. I don't I think, know why. I think it's just very. I think it's just because it's very bleak. It is quite bleak, and it kind of was like a. Eh, watch some funnier stuff now. Gets better though. Mm. Well, I, and Doug Jones is in it. So that's I think I've got like one more episode of season one to do, and it. it it lightens up considerably. Everything is better with Doug Jones. Oh, man, Doug Jones is fabulous in it. Fact. Because he's not just being, like, makeup man, he's also getting to do some actual acting. See, that's why, as weird as it sounds, like, that's why out of the two Hellboy films, I prefer The Golden Army, one of the big reasons. Because it's Doug Jones because it's doing Doug the Jones voice. playing Abe Sapien yeah, completely. Yeah. And it's just, it's so nice. He's such a good physical performer as well. Yes. Him and uh, Javier Botet are, like, the kings of playing tall, gangly things and yeah. putting a lot into it. I watched um, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark last night. How is it? It's pretty good. It's sort of like, it sort of exists in that category of this should be seen, by, this should be seen yeah. by more kids. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those films. It sort of like exists in the same kind of world as like The Hole. Do you know what I mean? Like the, the, yeah. there's recent horror films that are really freaky but not freaky enough for adults to be like, ah! But would definitely scale some kids. But also be their gateway drug to horror. Um, it's good. It, it, it feels like it feels like it could have put a few more teeth in. Like it's 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 like good, but you come out and going that could have been a bit freakier, just a little bit freakier. Um, but it's not bad, and the creature effects are really, 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 really good. Um, a lot of practical stuff. <clears throat> oh yeah, and a lot of um, very gruesome ends to people, like as in oh. Oh, that's proper sort of like short anthology story esque, uh, and this is what became of them. But the of but the kind stuff. of stuff that you can get away with in a PG thirteen mm, slash twelve. I don't want to say much more, but yeah, I mean, yeah, mostly mostly bloodless. Yeah, yeah. But it's 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 the thing is when you you can't just have blood and guts, you have to get more creative. Good, and they do. Good. Um, <clears throat> so there is that. Uh, but Picard... Picard, it's good. Yeah, I want to see where it goes. We triple build last night. We watched Picard. We watched the last two episodes of Pyramids of Mars. And then we watched um, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Nice. What hell of a marathon. Um, nice. I recommend Picard. I like it a lot. Our, our, our other central character, who I don't really want to say too much about, because I'm like, no, that's the thing I want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
she's excellent. Played by Issa. What's her surname? Issa. What's her surname? Issa. What's her surname? Um, Asadiga Ibuai. You've seen her in the trailers. <laughs> uh, she's good. Let's bring her up. Issa Briones. Issa Briones. She's great. She's really, really good. Um, and is sort of our like I guess the the way she the way she plays in this is sort of like yes if this show continues without him eventually like you're clearly who this is going to be about like you can carry this you are young and yet you are carrying the heck out of this out of the drama out of the action and also the mystery element mm-hmm. there's a moment in it in particular where her character is taking a phone call that at the time I was like seriously what the fuck is happening and on reflection I'm like no I don't even think she knew exactly still what is happening this is weird. Yeah. Holy shit! There's a conspiracy element to this. No, I'm enjoying it. Absolutely, um, it's good. Picard is good. <coughs> Check out episode one. Uh, we might review it week by week. We might just uh, every few weeks touch on a few episodes in a row. Well, we've not got any big movies coming out for a couple of weeks, so we might might touch on it again. Well, Birds of Prey on the seventh of yeah, February. Yeah, Birds of Prey. Not in time for next episode. Is that though. right? On the seventh? Yeah. A Saturday release. Yeah. The fuck. The fuck? That's really weird. Because then it can't get an opening week. Oh. It's opening weekend gross would be calculated the following weekend. Because it's opening on Saturday. Does not that Friday. indicate less or more confidence? Less confidence. Oh no. That's Warner Brothers going, we need to make as much out of this as we can. Well. Which, which suggests word of mouth might kill it if it was released on a Thursday or a Friday. If you can see the lighthouse this weekend, we can talk about the lighthouse. Oh, that's oh, that's. Mm, I was kind of excited for Birds of Prey. Now I'm like, oh, that's an yeah, odd decision. Yeah. Ah, why just spill your beans? <laughs> <laughs> We're going into spoiler territory, folks, because it's time to talk about Fugitive of the Jadoon. Yeah, this is what I double build on Sunday. I double build Picard and Doctor <clears throat> Who. Noinch, noinch. Um, the reason it's spoiler territory is because beyond the initial premise of. This is a Doctor Who episode with the Jadoon. The Jadoon. Everything about it is spoilery. A Jadoon Whoa. platoon near that lagoon. lagoon. It's more of a river. <laughs> I love that she's just like she 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 understands how laboured her pun is. She's like, oh. and it's for no one but herself. No, she's not it's, doing it for anyone. It's not else. like Martha Jones is there listening to her or anything. Because 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 Yaz and Ryan are just like, what? <laughs> It's, it's, it's purely for her and for us. Um, <laughs> right, so... Uh, but to go into any detail about it is to talk about... Not that it stopped any news sites or even the BBC Twitter. Like, they just... weird, As right? soon as that episode went, they were like, here's all the spoilers! And here's even, all the spoilers! And even social media feeds, which seem to sometimes say too much too soon. Oh, constantly! They've only really focused on one of the big kind of, ah, oh, things of this. As joyous as it may be... It does seem a little weird that it's like, you're not going to talk much about the other thing? But I also have a feeling that it's because both of the surprises this week aren't threads that are going to be necessarily picked up on this series. I think they're going to inform this series arc a bit. But I think you might see them in the finale. Maybe, well, Chibnall has said... Okay, spoilers, here we go, Mother Truckers. Chibnall has said that we won't be seeing Jack again this series. Okay. This is his one appearance. Now he could be fibbing, but I, I, I mean, why? Why fib outright? Just be more vague yeah. about it. But I think that's probably because he's like, yeah, I want to continue that story, but it's not this year. 
And that suggests to me that it's more of a, a tactical play yeah. of see what people's reaction is. Do you see how people are responding to this? You've got to give me another series or you've got to and, keep and me jo- on. And Jodie or... said she's already in for another series. Jodie is. Chibnall, we don't know yet. I imagine they come as a pair. There have been a lot of tensions behind the scenes with the BBC Worldwide slash BBC Studios and, and the Wales team and everything. Um, and it, it, it it's possible that they're having to barter a little bit, maybe because they need longer to make a series like they did this time again. And the worldwide sort of distribution side of it all doesn't like that kind of I mean, thing. If you want it to be good, you have to give them the time. If you want, true, if you want but it to rush you out, also like have one of the few BBC franchises, and if they can't get it out one series a year, then as far as the worldwide franchising arm of the BBC Studios and all that is concerned, that's a failure of product, considering said product for at least its first. Um, five, six years in production. Yeah. Consistently delivered a series every year, plus spin-offs, I think, plus external media like behind the scenes shows. I think you have to look at the a one year things, it, t- it, it, it One year it dipped out, it still released two series of its, one series of each of its two spin-offs and released five specials. I think you have to look at two, uh, two factors there. One is the kind of writer who was working on it originally. True, Russell was a machine! Russell T. Davis spews out scripts. Fueled by cigarettes from the Tesco down the road in Cardiff Bay. <laughs> if you read the writer's tale, that's basically how he got through like, it all. He, he churns stuff out at a prodigious rate. The amazing thing about Russell T. Davis mm. is that the speed he turns stuff out at it all manages to be pretty much consistently good. Even if sometimes he hands it in like an hour before the final deadline for it. Yeah. Because he stayed up all night to write it and that's how he works. Whereas Chris Chibnall is much slower and much more perfect of a not necessarily a perfectionist but he has a certain he holds himself to a different standard than, T, than Russell T. Davis does. I yeah. think he thinks he's making or feels like he's making <sighs> more prestige TV than Russell T. Davis felt with Doctor Who. I mean, so I think, yeah, I think yeah. you're looking at someone who thinks he's making like real good drama versus someone who thinks he's making a family entertainment show. Yeah. And both are equally valid. Yeah. But that's the two different... Uh, um, what do we call it? Philosophies we're looking at it from. And the other one is that the budget that the show uses and... The production value that the show uses has increased exponentially. Partially since down, those partially first down to the reduction of four episodes, yeah. three from the series and a, and a festive special. But if you're um, going to up those production values, that comes with more production costs in terms of time. Although both seen, in set up and post. Have you seen the cinematography debate going on on Twitter in the last couple of days? Friend, no. friend of the show, Paul Holmes, uh, started it partially as well. When he talks about how the modern series, the current run this year and last year, seem to be always slightly blurry compared to, say, series 10, which is crisp and vibrant and all these colours really pop. Um, he, p- he, picked two sc- he picked two screen grabs, one from series 10, one from series... Uh, bu- 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 I think this series, not last series, of uh, one of Bill and one of Yasmin. Both of them uh, stood in similar situations both at similar times of day within the scene of course uh, the actors have like similar uh, skin tones to say like obviously you compared it with Jodie and, and, yeah. and uh, Pearl Mackey for example um, and there is a, a very definitive like difference between this really sharp vibrant oh my god look at that colour pop of series 10 and 
Is the focus out? Why is there a filter on it? I think it's deliberately soft focus. I think that's just the cinematographers they're using. True. But it's really apparent on all of the Jack posts they're making this week when they're using the same image of him and it doesn't look remotely sharp. It's really weird. It's it's almost like they didn't do any publicity photos for him. Um, No, And they're using this one screenshot. Um, I don't know why that is. But Jack's back. It's a definite definite aesthetic choice, I think. I don't think it's incompetence. I just don't understand Especially why this director. Make it, yeah. Last week and this week, there was a shitload of lens flare. Yeah, a lot of lens flare, Very mostly Abrams-y. mostly in ship interiors. Mm. But there was a lot of lens flare, um, <clears throat> including in the ship that Jack commandeered, which is filmed in a cathedral in Bristol. <laughs> uh, which is why in the trailer you can see an organ in the corner, and it looks more like the interior of a building. Well, when I first saw it, I was like, "That's a fucking TARDIS." Yeah, in the trailer. Oh yeah, yeah I mean, uh, the, but even the even the even in the fueled it. Even in the episode, <clears throat> yeah, uh, you, you, they, um, it's Graham who gets teleported there first, isn't it? Time yeah. scooped. Time scooped. There, and, and I was like, snogged. this is a fucking The TARDIS. second time the series is mistaken for the Doctor. But also, <laughs> despite the fact that I still watched it... I do like that slight meta-narrative of like, you know, oh, Bradley Walsh should be the Doctor. All right, we're going to have characters constantly mistake him for the Doctor. And then. he's always somewhat uncomfortable with it. He's yeah. always like, uh, oh. No, I know. Um, and yet Jack completely immediately accepts it and then switches pronouns and the internet noticed and yeah. they're like well freaking done Chibnall and Vindictel and and, uh, and what's it he's also somewhat excited about <laughs> yeah this I got is Chibnall Chibnall's semi-show running of Torchwood definitely came into play here yeah, and I think that's yeah. why he had a co-writing credit he probably wrote the Jack stuff primarily yeah um, because probably just did a dialogue pass on it and Jack feels like he's leapt straight from the stolen earth to this journey's end to this yeah like Doctor Who Jack was always tonally different from Torchwood Jack a little lighter wasn't he and he feels like that's he's just reappeared uh, it was great to see him it was a nice surprise watching it for the first time because as soon as you hear that voice in the ship purposely distorted just enough we're quite sharp. But you can voices, tell so exactly like, who it is. That's John Barrowman. That is John Barrowman. Jo- no, it can't be John Barrowman. Vroom, did you miss me? Uh, yes. Yes, we did, John. Yes, we did. Captain um, by Jingo. Um, <clears throat> so Captain Jack is trying to get hold of the Doctor to basically pass on a message. Um, the lone Cyberman. The lone Cyberman. Don't give it what it wants. Apparently the Cybermen are a fallen empire, but they're on the verge of a potential rise and... and so, don't call it a comeback. Yeah, they've been there for years. Don't call it, <laughs> don't call it a come, Jack. Oh no! No, um, no, 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 no. Mind you. Um, <laughs> so he's looking good. That's all I'm saying. Um, so uh, I'll be honest. The Cyberman story arc thing. When I realised, oh, this is why Jack's here. I was a bit. There was like the one thing in the episode. In all honesty, the one thing. There we go. Oh, is that it? Mm. Oh. Oh, that's a shame, because we're already dealing with a story arc this series, the whole Gallifrey's past and the Timeless Child. It's like, adding another thing to it? I have a feeling that the Timeless Child thing is not going to be resolved this year. Again, I think they're bleeding stuff over into the year, third year, and the Cyberman will be the thing that caps this series off. Yeah. And then next year... Because we know we're getting at least one Cyberman <clears throat> this year. Yeah, and next year will either be the last... Chibnall and Jodie series, or the last Jodie series, or the last Chibnall series, one one of those three combos. And the idea will be, when people look back over the three years, there was a subtle arc that we learnt more about, yeah, and yeah. then it ends in the third year. Um, but it was still nice to see him, and, and it sucks he didn't get to see the Doctor, but like Chibnall said, he's not in the rest of the series, allegedly, but 
he can't wait to bring him back because he wants to see him play off of Jody. So it's like, yeah. okay, this yeah, is a yeah. good sign that the Torchwood world is not completely gone. Who knows? Maybe the we Torch might, world. Maybe we might even get a bit of dialogue or character appearance to find out where Gwen and Reese are at in their lives and um, find out what happened to Mackay Pfeiffer's character now that he's fucking immortal and that was the cliffhanger Miracle Day was left on. Well, um, Reese is currently <laughs> rehearsing a play for Out of Giant Theatre Company. <laughs> You know what? I think they're at the point now where they'd have the budget for Mackay Pfeiffer, even if it was just a freaking cameo. Yeah, probably. Because the whole point of like that with the the with the, the uh, ah, what the hell was it called? Miracle Day was it was the Stars Network budget got involved, and it's like yeah, but I'm sure that like, I mean they had freaking um, Mr. Big last year, didn't they? Just being oh, Chris North, yeah, yeah. So it's like you can do this now. You can get your American performers to just be shipped out Fuck and be it, in an why episode. Not? Um, so yeah, Jadoon. Let's talk about Jadoon. That was the main thing I was excited for before it started. Fucking love that uh, hero Jadoon master, Paul Condon. Oh, it's one. good. It's Which so good. Which is so good. I'm so glad they credited him as that as well. Paul Condon, brilliant. Paul Casey as well, performing more creature effects for him yeah. and nailing it. It's uh, Millennium effects going back to their old design and, and, yeah. and refining it. The it's suits great... are slightly different. Just yeah. slightly. They've got bigger, they've got like rifles instead of the hand yeah. cannons now and the uh, the chest plug is sort of it looks like it's a different adapter yeah it's like a two-pronged thing it's like that's a nice little detail the idea that their tech doesn't stay stagnant either like yeah. like everyone's it evolves and changes i thought that was cool and um but yeah just the uh yeah, great design as well just uh, the animatronics were just lovely just really mm. lovely better lip sync and there's, there's a well there's a great um a couple of tweets from behind the scenes yes. where you see like in the trailer <laughs> just practicing the the lip sync stuff so good. Um, good. Just good to see them. Good to see them being used again. I mean, I got excited when the ship was revealed because it was just a, a more detailed yeah. CGI model of a Jadoon ship. And I was yeah. like, oh shit! I think instead of like the, the instead of the, the four planters, it's got sort of like four prong, like curved prongs. I think there's been some really nice practical creature effects. I think that's probably why the production's taking longer. Maybe. There's been some really, really nice practical creature effects, and but those also, you can't rush those. True. But also, returning elements, there's been a lot of redesigns and tweaks to returning yeah, elements yeah. this year. Because this series, of course, more than last year, obviously way more than last year, because last year I had none. This series has been like, yeah, we're going to bring that back, we're going to bring this character back, and we're going to yeah. bring this character, which means we've got to design them in a way where... Because like, the Master is only in a master outfit unquote for about two but he minutes. has like five costumes over the course of two episodes yeah like, but, but like his his look at the end yeah. it's like that's clearly going to be his look yeah if he comes back and I love it I love the so, sort of you know faux <clears throat> Victorian dandy yeah but dark edge I fucking but, love Sasha Dewan's master already the purple Troughton yeah um, yeah it's just it's just something about like <laughs> The waistcoat and the high-waisted pants, which just a bit... It just looks pompous. Yeah. In a really good way. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's so good. That's so master. That's so master. Um, I like the fact that Jadoon are back to being mercenaries for hire, which is essentially what they are. There's, there's mercenary secu- police, which I think is... They're, they're, yeah. they're, a, they're, a, they're a PMC. They're a private military contractor. Which is... Re- yeah, because they really egg that in this one. Yeah. The idea that, like, that's their honour system. Like, we will fulfil a contract. Yeah. That's their thing. Like, they'll never renege on a contract ever. They will fulfil it. And that's like the only honor that they have. Essentially, the rest of the time they will do whatever they need to do, like using contraband, like illegal time tech, and and just going in and killing people with a barrier that eradicates old women into skeletons. Oh yeah, there were some right fucking merciless kills in this. Oh god, yeah. Uh, was it Big Ears Alan? Big Ears um, Alan, not the not the greatest character in the world. No, not but, a great side character. No, but we're gonna remember him. 
But why? He had a stupid name and he was an unnecessarily pissy person. But well, as, but as Keith purpose. said, he as Keith says, why would she keep going back to that bakery? <clears throat> True. Because he's weird. But I think it's because oh, oh, I, think it's, <laughs> I think it's because Ruth probably has an inkling somewhere in the back of her mind that there is something about Lee. So she doesn't yeah. let it bother her because she's like, oh no, don't be daft. But she's like, she's waiting for the day that maybe she'll hear something that makes her go, oh, actually, yeah. But we'll get into them in a second. In case of um, emergency break glass. I got spoiled on uh, the Ruth reveal. Oh, how come? Because it was, in, it, it was in a fucking news headline oh, on geez. my on my Google news feed. <clears throat> God. Less than two hours after the episode aired. What the fuck? I know, right? God. So, because I, I didn't, I watched the episode about nine o'clock on Sunday evening, and I had already been spoiled. Oh, jeez. Fuck you, internet. Fuck you. But. Don't check your apps. He didn't. It was a Google News alert. Yeah, I literally, literally all, I, want, all <laughs> I need to do to access my news feed on my phone, is I, from my home screen, I swipe left, and it brings up a Google News feed, and like the first story on there was. Doctor Who related. Doctor Who related. It was, spoil, it was, spoiler, again. Although everyone's been spoiled at this point because of fucking <laughs> Twitter and the BBC are fucking spoiling it. Um, it was like, oh, the BBC, the, the this episode of Doctor Who reveals a a new rank incarnation of the Doctor, and it was a picture of Joe Martin okay, in the, thanks, in the episode, and I was like, <clears throat> oh, so did you did you send things cakes? Uh, I told her I'd been spoiled. I didn't say what I'd been. Oh, okay. On. So you still, you still kind of got to have that. Well, the, the second hand, like the cool thing is, is oh. that I got to knowing that going in, I was like, okay, well, let's let's look at the the clues. Yeah. And oh my god, little thing because the, the windows fir- the of the apartment. Thing... Yeah, the windows of the fucking apartment were tarnished. Hexagons shaped. everywhere. Hex- yeah, in the design, especially um, the mirror she looks in. The clock at the beginning when she's just sat there just staring at her watch and the yep. fir- on first watch you kind of read it as oh she's sort of waiting for her morning to start like oh it's eight o'clock I'm gonna I'm gonna make me breakfast and get going. Um, well, the first thing but in I reality thought... she's sort of having a moment where she's just kind of drifting and the sound effect that's playing of the clock ticking it's a clock ticking reverse. <laughs> it's someone pointed that out online. I was like fuck when I rewatched it it was Lucy's first watch and I was rewatching it, I was like. Fuck yeah, that's a backwards sound effect. Mm-hmm. What the hell? But also, um, <laughs> the first thing I thought when they brought the box out mm. was like, "Well, that's the that's the chameleon arch gizmo." And then, to, yeah, then turns out, not and then it to turns be. out not to on be. My like, okay. wa- on my second watch is when it reaffirmed. I, I re- it reaffirmed to me that Lee was a Time Lord or Gallifreyan at least, uh, because he casually at one point dismisses a big ears Alan as oh, humans. And because um, on my first watch, I assumed that when Gat was interrogating him in the flat, Gat was assuming that was the Doctor. Do you think they were both? I think he was. He was Gallifreyan. No, because he's. Cause I don't think show, he, he was. scans as human. Ah, well, he must have been. He but, he, but, but, it, but there must have been some kind of security thing. Like he was, she was the one who was in hiding, so he must have done something to look out for her. Like he kept himself like. He knew she was in hiding. He's the Martha to yes. John Smith. Because that was the thing. When, on my first viewing, I was like, oh my God. So it was, uh, again, it was like, oh God, he's the companion. I mean, she literally, before she kills him, and obviously on first watch, you don't notice it, but you would have done because you yeah. didn't spoil yeah. it. She refers to him as ever the faithful companion. Yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. like, oh shit, he's literally the Doctor's companion. Um, but when he does the whole like throwaway human like, I mean, maybe he's not from Earth. 
Maybe he's just yeah, he's he's just another he's alien. Human, human enough <laughs> to show us human, but yeah. Category human. Um, I know they say humanoid, don't they? No, they say human. Actually, I don't know if they say the human. They say fugitive, negative, or whatever. Like, oh yeah, they might. In some scenes, in some scenes, they go category human, and in other scenes, they go fugitive, like negative, uh, yeah, yeah. negative. Um, um, I like the fact that Nick Briggs got to do a variety of Jadoon voices in this one. Yeah, and one of them by accident on at least two occasions sounds a bit like Sergei the Meerkat from the Competitive. He sort of spoke like this. It's like, oh, for God's sake, that's unfortunate. <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, I never thought I'd feel sad for a Jadoon. She ripped its fucking horn off. Yeah, and just screamed. I was like, that was like that was fucking rough. I do love its reactions as well. The fact that they're these stomping death machines, but every now and again, it's like. <gasps> but also oh, oh. knowing uh, knowing what I did about the um, the reveal reveal. Soon as she starts excavating the grave, and the first thing you see is the TARDIS lamp. Yeah. Oh, like, Jesus. Yep. And then when she finds the break glass inside the lighthouse, Just it's got the, the writing on the side. Yes. That's like the first thing you see of it because she comes out and then you get the the shot from the side and you can see the hexagon right, the Gallifreyan right on the side. You're like, okay. This episode All really right. relies on everyone specifically remembering the Tenant era, but very specifically having all watched series three. I, I really liked it because it was just like Jadoon, Chameleon Arches... Uh, fucking Captain Jack Harkness. Because it was like, you've had, what, a season and a half of Trindle being like, alright, I'm playing with these characters, playing with these characters, doing some new things, doing some things you might not have seen Here's before. Here's a Dalek, here's the Master. Yeah. Moving on. You know, we're trying to... And then, you get this episode and he just throws <clears throat> everything, and it's not just him, it's also, obviously, Vinay Patel. Um, it, it was probably wrote most of this and then Trindle probably just tweaked the continuity stuff a bit. I know a lot um, of people are going like, oh, I can't believe that like, Vinay Patel like, was wasted because like oh, so much of it was in service of the story arc. I wouldn't be surprised if the only thing Chibnall did was basically maybe write maybe write the Jack stuff. I would imagine. if it, from... And and like Doctor go over the the Yeah, the, I, I imagine Ruth stuff. All, all Chibnall probably did for this but probably made enough changes to get a, to actually earn a writing credit would be a dialogue pass on returning characters yeah. and some continuity tweaks just to make it fit the, as well, the universe a bit. Ev- everyone, say, everyone who's saying that, like it was a waste of Vijay Patel saying that because like, he wrote the incredible Demons of the Punjab last series. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, can I write and not write like a really cool, profound, historical yeah, I know, and right? also like, a daft, dumb one where rhinos are invading Gloucester? Like, let them do that. Like, let, let them... Mean, Write different stories. Neil Gaiman wrote The Doctor's <laughs> Wife and Nightmare in Silver, so yeah, people have um, range. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So fucking, uh, but yeah, I'm so glad his teleplay skills have vastly improved. Yeah. See Good Omens. Oh, um, good Omens, so good. Omens. I love um, that it's on um, BBC now, and it's just getting yeah. a second wind. We didn't even talk about Good Omens in our review of 2019. We didn't. There was didn't so we? much good stuff in twenty nineteen. I forgot Good Omens was on in twenty nineteen, and it was so good. Omens. Hey. hey. Um, Terry beat death. Everybody. Still my favorite Easter egg of last year. <laughs> Just the, the arcade machines, and they're all they're all DF. The top one is T Pratchett. Yeah. It's like yes, I love it. Fuck yes. Although technically it should have been Pateri. Because that was his like yeah. um, Usenet handle, yeah, which Damn. very good. Um, Mind you, it was an older arcade machine. Yeah, free internet. Um, um, to do with fun, uh, Lee, 
really well played. And again, on the second watch, you see stuff because you know what his role actually yeah. is. Which, which again, because I was well, I kind of got some of that going in the yeah. first time. So I didn't, I didn't mind it too much being spoiled. And yeah, he is. He's not the fugitive, but there's no. He's not pretending or anything. It's not a case of mistaken identity per se. Yeah. Because yeah, he also would be wanted at least for information. Information. Um, <laughs> Gat was interesting. Bit of a Time Lord villain. Yeah. One of the few Time Lords we've seen in the series off Gallifrey and and in the present, but really experimenting with the idea of timelines. Like you guys are clearly way earlier in a timeline than I am. I yeah. Gallifrey for me is gone. It's obliterated. For you, it's still here. Love that one, Jody. Jody had to take a back seat in this and be very reactionary uh in the second half of the episode, but that was obviously in service of the story. But I did love the minute she was like, You're serving nothing but ash and bone. When she was basically just trying to talk Gat yeah. down. She's like, Where I'm from, none of that fucking matters. It's gone. It's, it's gone. gone. Um I let's let's talk about let's talk about uh, Ruth the uh, Ruth What's or the name again? Sorry, Joe Joe Martin John Martin or the <clears throat> Doctor yeah I've seen I've seen people already given her names they've given her the ruthless Doctor is the funniest one I've seen uh, the fugitive Doctor so the Doctor in her blue period <laughs> the, light, the lighthouse Doctor the Doctor's blue period so um, one thing one thing I've seen a shitload of online because the episode kind of makes very heavy suggestion that this is a doctor from earlier in the timeline and i've seen a lot of people say yeah maybe, maybe she's uh season 6b no fuck off um no many reasons one pertwee falls out of the tardis in trouton's clothes two why why would the Troughton Doctor and an older Jamie go on missions with the Time Lords and then randomly be a different regeneration who then somehow changes back into Troughton's clothes. Yeah, like what? It doesn't make sense. So stop trying to do that. Um, it's most likely that she is a pre-Hartnell incarnation. And yeah, I can go with that. I'm up for that because... The thing is, I'm I'm up for anything. Like, I was yeah. saying this to Keith, well, she's what like... About, what, about the, 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 what about the incarnation thing? Because, like, I know the stupid double ten regeneration, but, it hey, guess what? It doesn't matter! Guess what? Maybe the Doctor had a different regeneration cycle before Hartnell. They, they, why is the TARDIS a police box? Because it got stuck. But didn't it get stuck in Totter's Lane? The show has never said that it got stuck like that in Totter's Lane. No. It's entirely possible it got stuck like that before. But we've seen the Doctor... But what about and, this book? But we've seen Clara tell the Doctor which TARDIS to travel in and it wasn't in any shape before. Yeah, well, guess what? Fuck that flashback. Listen, you know, you know how <laughs> continuity works in ongoing things? Especially same in a show about time same travel as it works in comics. and how nothing is consistent. Everything works the way that it works until someone writes something and says that it works differently. Yeah. So you were, saying, you, were, like, you were trying to talk about it to Keek, sorry. I, I was talking about crazy. to Keek. She was like, well, what do you reckon? Because I've seen a few theories online. I'm like... Honestly, I don't try and get attached to any few theories. I suspect she's an alternate universe doctor, which Chibnall oh, since he says denied that. He's denied that. He said it's they said it's not an alternate universe thing. He it denied that reality. Um, he denied that reality. He and said that reality was a computation um, matrix. And um. and uh, <laughs> so, but I like. I'm honestly at this point, I'm game for whatever. It's like you. You, you should mingle wanna... with mummies, but he's shuttling. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
I'm going to put it Olive Pyramids of Mars. It's so good. It's so good. Um, it's so freaking good. I love it. Um, but I... Including the best, like, shot of Doctor Who in its entire history, which is uh, the... Uh, what, what the mummy's called? Sur- the service robot? Service, yeah. Sur- they refer to him as the service. Like, yeah. they always say, like, take a service with you. Um, the service is about to turn around in the pyramid in the last episode. Sarah Jane and the Doctor like, and immediately turn around before it sees them. It's so good, and it's just so smooth, and it's Tom and Liz being brilliant. But it's also the fact that their expressions don't change. Their eye, both their eyes, just widen a little bit because they realise <laughs> they're about to be seen. Like, there's no big comedy moment, and as a result, it's so understated and much funnier. <laughs> it's the greatest shot in the history of the show. What about the Dalek coming out of the tent? Fuck it. Fuck no, it. Don't matter. No. <clears throat> what about the opening shot of no. Time Lord? That, no. shit, that long panning of the shit? Fuck it. No. 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 It's that. It's, it's that, that shot from Primo's of Mars. It's them turning around. It's so good. Um, oh, bless Lucy. Yeah. She's about to watch the Android invasion. Poor thing. Oh, no. Um, but at this point... <laughs> but that's after, obvious. Yay. After Bridges <laughs> of the Dune and the stuff it throws at you and the mm. balls on the production team oh, for going fuck yeah right this is what we're doing I'm just like yeah whatever whatever ride you want to take me on I am happy Joe Martin is really whatever excellent feel for the whole time lovely and warm yeah Joe Martin as Ruth the triggered secret agent kick ass like um, you know winter soldier great sells it really well it's really eerie, especially the two moments after that where she briefly has that sort of blank stare and you're like, oh fuck, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? <coughs> and then, the inevitable Doctor. Very heart and pertwee. Very Action-packed cold, cold. Doctor. Colder yeah. Doctor. And um, has a fucking gun. Humor. Not without humour. <coughs> doctor with a gun. Yeah, not using it. But, well, Keith, and but, another thing Keith yeah. said Keith's not being as familiar with the show <coughs> as I am being like what? I thought the Doctor didn't use guns well true that's true but, until it's not yeah it's true until <coughs> um, I never would it's 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 true several specials later wielding a, a gun yeah it's, it's true <coughs> until um, the sick Doctor shoots the cyber controller in the, in the chest it's true until the the fourth doctor takes an elephant gun to a giant rat like it's true until it's not yeah so and then but then again she doesn't actually directly use it she's got it set to backfire which is again is eat the doctor's done that before some versions of the doctor unlimited rice pudding etc etc some versions of the doctor wouldn't do that some versions of the doctor absolutely would like the colder more ruthless versions their principles remain the same their methods can change which does tweak their morals but I think that 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 their principles the same their morals can change yes yeah but I think that that um that sort of lends itself to her being an earlier version of also the console room oh that console room made that me console, so happy. It was like oh, it's 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 like yeah, it is like a like a it's like an Apple Apple iPod version of the, the original Hartle control room. room. Yeah, I mean it, it's like they took it's so like they took nice. the the console room set from uh, the series nine finale, which again is sort of meant to be like a, this is suggesting that Hartnell's interior is this is the default. default. Yeah, um, it's sort of taken that set. Simplified it and made it a little shinier. And it looked really nice. It looks great, and especially compliments really her costume, nice. which is fucking awesome. Oh my god, she looks so cool! <clears throat> Boots, so garish cool. as fuck shirt, 
Tight jeans, like pseudo, amazing waistcoat and jacket. Pseudo-military, yeah. sort of, but also a bit adamant. God, yeah. Yes, very adamant, actually, now you've said it. Fuck. Um, she that, just needs, she just needs like, a stripe of paint on her nose. And, and also, right. <laughs> also the fact that fucking <laughs> she's having to go at Jodie for being all rainbows while she's wearing that, that fucking shirt. shirt. Which is very doctor <laughs> again. <laughs> Which is very doctor. Very multi-doctor encounter is that kind of thing. Isn't it weird that this is one of the multi-doctor episodes? But with a doctor, we don't, we don't know which one she is. Yeah. Which I mean, opens up a whole fucking range of... I hope we get to see a decent chunk of her, though. Like, yeah. I, hope we're, I hope we're going to see a lot more Joe Martin Doctor. Yeah. Um, like, more Joe Martin Doctor than the War Doctor, certainly, I'd like. Because <laughs> it's just such a different... It adds mystery to the character again. It, but also, it's such a... There's an incarnation we didn't know about. Have we been here before? Yeah, but difference is... We're not being given an explanation as to where this one was. But her attitude is such a polar opposite <laughs> to Joni's. <laughs> like she's much colder. <laughs> she's much more blunt. <clears throat> and she's got she's much less patient. Also, her hair's amazing. <sighs> Jodie's hair is nice, but Jodie Whittaker's hair in real life on the press tour is always way cooler than the <laughs> doctor's hair. She always has these big, like, sweeping fringes and yeah. like, curls and everything. It's like, damn girl, you look awesome. Jodie Whittaker's just a cool, cool, cool one. She's adorable. Um um, fucking adorable but apparently so is Joe Martin who knew not me because I, I, I can't remember what I've actually seen Joe Martin I hope in. Joe Martin doesn't look at her social media because immediately after oh, this episode she got bombarded off. with bullshit um, <clears throat> which is a thing which is I, I wanted to bring this up because opinion is one thing unnecessary vitriol is another yeah but like attacking yeah fuck and off and I'm going to sort of verbatim read this a little bit friend of the show um Friend of the show, Mr. Tardis, Will Carlyle, on his Trilby Twitter, he posted this thread, and I'm just going to touch on it briefly, because I think it's just, it's worth reading out. I implore you to check it out and engage with Will about this, his, his handle on Twitter, everybody's Trilby Reviews, Trilby, spelt T-R-I-L-B-E-E. Check it out! <clears throat> check it out! But, um, he put this, and I, it was this morning, uh, sorry, yesterday, and I just thought it was, it was an interesting <clears throat> touch on. A brutally honest thread about Doctor Who fandom. Buckle up. I'm buckled. Hang on, let me get my seatbelt on. I haven't got a thing I can make a buckle sound with. Just imagine I'm buckling it. Imagine the sound of me buckling a, a seatbelt. Either a clunk click or a, a airport. Just imagine buckles, buckle sounds, buckle sounds. You could just, you could just say click. Clunk click. <gasps> Where'd you get that seatbelt from? <laughs> So I had a bit of an epiphany yesterday when chatting with my girlfriend who noted that even though she hardly follows Doctor Who social media accounts or fans, her timeline gets flooded with wholly negative coverage of the show, to the point where she's completely baffled by people taking the show that seriously. Obviously fans can be passionate in their love for something and sometimes we can be critical out of love, but that's not what she was referring to. It was more the idea that even supposed fans of the show completely hate it and that hatred is so visibly unhinged so obviously lacking a basis in reality that it actually has started to turn her off the programme. I thought about this viewpoint overnight, and it made me also consider the relatively low viewing figures when compared to previous seasons. Because that has been something that's recurred this year. The viewing figures have been alright, but they've been significantly lower. Now, part of that is the changing landscape of how people consume media. Yeah, but, even, this is... but even after the seven-day count of streams, it's coming nowhere near previous years. This is something I was explaining to Keeks. Um, <clears throat> Because we were talking about that, and she's like, "Well, 
it, I I don't think I think that the fact that things aren't on iPlayer for seven days anymore, yeah. or on iPlayer for a month or yeah. longer, so people are less inclined to, inclined to, to oh, go watch that away. now. Uh, now I think there are multiple factors to the viewing figures decreasing. He says, like having a series opener on New Year's Day, the utter lack of marketing to mainstream audiences, etc. Yeah, it came in so hot. But I think one factor we have to consider is that as a fan base. Hoovians have become utterly repulsive to the uninitiated. Uh, and also, you can sub- <clears throat> you can probably substitute Hoovians for a fan base of your choice. Someone replies further this. down with uh, uh, switch out with Star Wars, Star Trek, etc. At your leisure. Transformers. Yeah. Oh God. Strange music. Any music fan base, anyone who is a stan of someone, tends to get nasty at some point. <clears throat> Uh, but I think one factor we have to consider, yeah, is, is that they've become uh, repulsive to the initiated. Think about it. You search YouTube for Doctor Who or get some Doctor Who videos in your recommended feed. Mm. What do you find up the ranks? You find blatant white supremacy, mm. and he cites Balstrek. Fake mm. news that would make a UK tabloid call for an intervention. Nerd erotic. Emergency awesome. Um, well, not necessarily. Doctor he's Who less centric, nasty, but yeah. but yeah, yeah. Horrific racism. The list goes on. Uh, what, who was the one who did who did the Chibnall quits stuff? Uh, Doomcock. 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 Jesus. Uh, did some. Yeah, crackers. is he the one who dresses like Doctor Doom? I don't know. And but... when he makes essays about stuff, it's like, oh, that's really well put together. And then when he makes opinion pieces, you're like, oh, you're an unhinged fuck. Well, they were the one who was like, Chris Chibnall walks away from the series twelve mid production, and then all, <clears throat> then a couple of months after, moved on to. Kathleen Kennedy fired from Star Wars. Yeah. Um, on Twitter, search Doctor Who on Twitter right now. Go on, I'll wait. It's bloody ugly, isn't it? It is ugly. I don't know specifically what you found, but I found death threats against Joe Martin, racism, transphobia, the odd positive tweet, but not enough to stop the flagrant bigotry that's front and centre in the fandom. And it's completely insane some of the things I've seen on public social media boards. I saw fans yelling at Chris Chibnall because of altered Cybermen designs from the series 10 finale. Mm. Chris Chibnall being blamed for a design decision in series 10. And then (coughs) there's tabloid outlets decrying PC Doctor Who without ever defining what they mean by PC, posting racism and sexism using Doctor Who as a Trojan horse so that the writers or editors can just be as horrible as they want under the guise of fandom. See Jeremy Clarkson. And of course... News outlets posting about the viewing figures in a negative way and just lying about them. Just flat out lying about objective numbers. This is all pushed to the surface and is right in front of any potential new fan's face when they get engaged. I'm reminded of a piece written on Birth Movie's death, talking about the backlash to 2016's Ghostbusters. How ghost bros screamed, They ruined my childhood! To which the writer retorts that witnessing how much hatred and sexism and racism existed in the Ghostbusters fandom that they actually did make him reevaluate his childhood and how something he enjoyed and loved watching growing up now has this horrible bigotry attached to its legacy. That's how I feel about Doctor Who now, says Will. <clears throat> I got into a dumb Twitter argument with a guy on Twitter this morning who was utterly convinced that the new Doctor Who creative team were anti-male. How they were destroying the show and screaming and scheming Doctor Strange love style in an evil lair to bring down the white man. Oh God! He presented this completely without irony and, of course, without a shred of evidence or proof. 
When I pointed out that even I, someone who's a bit cold on Series 12 so far, and gave legit reasons as to why, thought he was being ridiculous, he called me brainwashed. This guy, who had no reason to believe what he believed, just pushing this utterly insane narrative. Once again, he believes in a scenario like one picture below. And he's put a photo of the war room from Doctor Strange. <sighs> Thought that I was the brainwashed one. And he's a prominent face of the Doctor Who fandom on Twitter. For real. Yes, there are great and usually positive and lovely corners of the fandom. But in an internet, algorithmic age, where the most extreme toxic content rises to the top, that's not the face of the fandom. It's not the first thing newcomers see. I think it's time this fandom takes a long, hard look at itself, at how repulsive a fandom we look from the outside, how inaccessible a community we must look to any potential fans, despite the morals and messages that the show has always preached for 57-ish years. This negativity is not sustainable for a fandom. It's grotesque, and it not only drives current fans away, but prevents any new and hopeful fans from even bothering to get involved. The ultimate irony here is that these supposed fans, who claim to love the show, who've decided to play victim and express that with uh, that love with bigotry, exclusion, gatekeeping, and just general vile behaviour might be the reason for its eventual decline. But at this point, it might be what this fandom actually deserves. The show deserves better than us. By all means, be critical. Present your arguments and critiques in good faith. If you're not liking the show, that's fine. If you really hate the show, then don't watch it and come back when the team changes. But don't pretend for a single second that death threats racism, sexism, transphobia, and every other ism under the sun that you scream into the ether is not on the same wavelength as valid critique or legit concerns. Think of how alienating a community you make us look. This show is better than you. He goes on with much fair. more stuff, All but fair. I'm like, fuck Will. Yes. Trilby Reviews. T-R-I-L-B-E-E Reviews on Twitter. Go give him a follow if you aren't already and read his thoughts. Every time I hear this fucking refrain, they're like, oh, they're pushing out, pushing out white men. Oh, no, they're pushing out straight cis white men. They're pushing them out of positions of authority. They're making things more diverse. Good! (laughs) We deserve to be pushed out. We fucked everything up. Yeah, bastards. Other people need to take what we've driven into the ground and make it fucking better. More points of view, more backgrounds, more thoughts than just, I am a straight cis white man and this is my view and this is how I think things should be and this is how I think stories should be told. No! It's stale, it's old, it's boring, it needs to go. We need more. More diversity, more welcoming this, everything is for everyone. Don't fucking gatekeep. Don't, someone enjoying something that you like does not make you enjoy it any less. There's not a finite amount of enjoyment to go round. Let's all get round the table and wank off. Why not? Um, no matter what equipment you've got. Metaphorical wank, right? Yeah, metaphorical. Oh, thank God, thank God. Thank God, God. Circle jerk should only be done, con- um, uh, what do we call it? Consensually, um, don't do it without everyone's express consent. That's, Police uh, say that the uh, the offender, the says offender he was given permission, was by given the permission, big damn cats to get around the table and <laughs> not in a fucking, not in a Weatherspoons. You know what I mean? <laughs> Private place. Get around the t- metaphorically speaking. But there's know, enough wankers uh, running that business as it is. But just, I don't understand why. 
surely the more people like something that you like, the better, right? Like the more, the more the merrier. I want everyone to like things. I don't want people to not like things. And if there are things about something, if something's exclusionary um, to someone, then surely that's not a good thing. Don't come to me and say, well, this thing is exclusionary to me as a white man because it has a woman of colour in it. Fuck off. You're a white man. Nothing's exclusionary to you. You you fucking... You... We fucking ooze our way through every fucking possible crack in society that is made by someone who didn't build it. We... Try and lock down everything to be better for us and no one else. And it's bullshit. And it's it's you know, it's a big picture thing to be talking about in terms of entertainment and pop culture, but absolutely relevant. Entertainment though. and pop culture are such <clears throat> microcosms of society at large. Like in the same way that sci-fi stories um sort of are held up as a mirror to society and are often society, socially allegorical. So the the sort of mini communities that spring up around things like fandoms are equally um, representative of wider society because they're they're literally just smaller versions of social groups, of wider social groups. So you can see these patterns that are coming through in politics in in general, particularly in the States and the UK, where it's definitely a move towards this sort of reactionary white supremacy. You see that coming through into things like Doctor Who fandom because that's, for some reason, some percentage of the population feels so threatened by the fact that people who look different to them, who think different to them, who are different to them, are getting involved, that they feel that they have to be defensive about it. And all you're doing is is creating more rifts when we should be building more bridges. Like, I don't understand it. I don't understand why you have to be so exclusionary. What are you losing? What, what is it that you think these people are taking from you? Your right to be a racist. Good. You don't deserve it. Your right to be transphobic. Good. You don't deserve it. Let them take it from you. You'll be better without it. But, I digress. Which is unusual for you, I know. Uh, no, beautifully put. Let's um, do some emails. Let's do some emails. I've not read these. I hope they're not confrontational. Oh, let's find out. First one. <coughs> Doctor Who spoilers abound for those who, for some reason, managed to skip to this for some reason. Long time listener. First Long time, time writer. writer today. Many times writer. Many times. Monty time. Tom. Monte! Um, That's the email. Uh, dear, <laughs> dear Chris and Matt. Oh, hey. Uh, so I just finished Fugitive of the Jadoon. <clears throat> Blimey. <laughs> it's taken a series and a half, but finally Tribunal has actually entertained me. Hey, he got you. However. Oh. 
It felt like three episodes in one. It was a very mm. overwhelming watch. Overwhelming watch. I really feel like these plot lines should have been brought out across the series rather than all being crammed mm. into one episode. In this episode, we got the Master mentioned, the Jadoon, Nanogenes, Chameleon Arch, Captain Jack, Cybermen mentioned, and a new Doctor. I feel like Chibnall is bringing everything from the show's history into one series to make up for the complete lack of anything in Series 11, and it's a bit on the nose. I think part um, of that's a sacrifice of the the lesser episode count. Really, I don't. I don't necessarily think that's that's the case. I don't think he's doing it to make up for things. I do <laughs> oh, agree. No, I no, do agree. There's a no. lot in this episode, but we'll get oh, we'll get to yeah. that later in the email. Um, anyway, I was happy with the return of Captain Jack. My only problem is that the one time he finally comes back, I think he'll be back again. Uh, he encounters the three most wooden companions the show's ever had. Having all four of them in the room really highlighted the complete lack of personality the current TARDIS team have. But still. <laughs> I like the companion. Oh, never mind. I like them. Uh, but it was I'm, great to I see. I know what you mean. There's, there's, like, there's not as much personalities bouncing off of each other. No, there's not. As, there there's not as big personalities bouncing off of each other. That's the one. Um, it was great to see him again, even if he did nothing to further the plot. But I look forward to his future return. But I am a little disappointed that when the Doctor meets him, she won't be surprised because the companions have ruined it for her. As for Ruth, in the 10 minutes of screen time we got with that, I honestly think I preferred 13. She was great, and I much preferred her TARDIS than the current one. Really not a fan of her outfit, though. Also, I thought the reveal was very rushed. Fucking love that outfit, man. I love the outfit myself. Fucking yeah. love that outfit. It's the coolest <laughs> motherfucker in the room. On a side note, <laughs> I'm beginning to absolutely loathe 13's use of the Sonic. It literally does anything the plot requires with all these energy readings. I miss when it opened doors. That's how the Sonic has kind of been used since the show came back. Like, it's... <clears throat> That's true. I think... I, I know what you mean a little bit, Tom. I think... I think they have been writing in moments where it's used as a scanner yeah. a lot more in this but that, era. It's been, they've been doing that since <clears throat> at least... Oh, yeah. No, it's, 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 definitely, yeah. it's definitely been functioning that way for about 10 years now. But I, I know what you mean. I feel like if you took out any script from this series, there'd be like seven mentions of she scans with the Sonic. And it's like, yeah, that is a bit frequent, isn't it? But at the same time, if you've got young boys and girls around the country with their toy Sonic doing that all the time... I kind of don't mind if that's the end result because that's kids getting into the show. Yeah, and that's that's it. kind of who that stuff's for, I think. Yeah, um, it's a tricorder now as well as on a screwdriver. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> do you feel uh, so? Did you think there was too much happening in this episode? Maybe, <laughs> but it was just so. It had such momentum, and it, it, fe- sort it felt of, like a shot in the arm mid series. Yeah, it was it, like, it, hey, you guys having fun? Yeah, you enjoying the sort of the pace of this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. boom, baby! It had so much energy and momentum that I think I really. I just went with it, and it, it kind of kind of was like, all right, I'm I'm along for this ride. So it was there was quite a lot going on, but I think it kind of it just propels it forward at such a speed yeah. that it, it it felt good to me. That's um, about the episode count, uh, Tom. I think I if it was a 13 episode season, like I've been in previous years, or a 12 episode season, maybe one of the elements in this one would have been introduced in a different story, and it would mm. spread a bit more. So like Jack would be in one episode, and the Joe Martin Doctor being a different one. So I, I kind of get what you mean there. Yeah. Um, what I, did you I th- still enjoyed it as a surprise fest, though, because I was just like, what the fuck? What did you think of the baked man with the dossier on Ruth's husband? I thought it was really weird, especially when he got out that cake. Yeah, weird guy. Yeah, that was nasty. Weird, <laughs> weird side character. What can you say? They can't, they can't all be winners. Um, he is weird. He pushed a rhino in armour and got shot for his troubles. So. Uh, do you feel like Jack and the Cyberman storyline could have been put in another episode? Seeing as it seemingly wasn't related to all the Time Lord business, I feel like having that on top of it all made the episode feel really packed. 
do you think we'll see him again in this series or the next one? Well, we've talked about Chibnall saying he's not back this series. Yeah. As uh, for him being... See, see my previous comments on episodes maybe well, helping. It's, it's not really a Jack and Cyberman <laughs> storyline as it is sort of a side thing setting up for something later. So I think that's more of a case of that is setting up something later in the series than a storyline for I this I wonder episode. if it was picked because uh, he wanted to do this where the companions met him and got that bit of info. Um, and this was just the most logical episode because there was a big gap where the Doctor had to be separated from them. Yeah, I think it just makes it... I think the sort of curse and blessing <laughs> of having a big TARDIS team is you can split them off and do multiple things at once, but a lot then of the time you have to split them off and do multiple things at and once. And a lot of the time they yeah. just send the three of them off together and it's like, oh... Are they just trying yeah. to keep them separate from the Doctor? What's yeah. going on? Yeah. What did you think of Ruth's reveal? I loved bloody it. loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Uh, do you think Ruth is a pre-Hartnell Doctor? I really hope she's an alternate universe version and not a past version pre-Hartnell. I don't want Chibnall messing up the canon and claiming that the Doctor was originally a woman or anything because I can see him doing that. Also, if it is pre-Hartnell, why the hell is a TARDIS in the form of a police box? Um, um, like I said, we never got confirmation that the TARDIS stuck during Hartnell's time. Uh, I think it's, it's possible. There's probably stuff that. about like like in the in this various expanded universe. I don't have a problem crap. with the Doctor's initial incarnation being a woman. Um, Moffat joked about it in a way that was like, "Wait, hang on, what?" When we thought Hartnell was the first Doctor for sure. Yeah. Uh, when Missy says, "I've known him since he was a little girl." So yeah, that's quite good. Which which was a throwaway line that at the time was like that's a fun little throwaway line, but also, come on, Stephen, you've already as a showrunner really fucked around with all the incarnations and the numbering and all this, that, and the other. Are you implying there's more before? Please don't be doing that. Yeah. But new showrunner, new rules. And also, I hope she's I, if she is a if she is an incarnation of the Doctor with no flim flam. I hope she's the one pre Hartnell yeah. because that would be like. Oh, or, shit, there really is stuff about this character we don't know. I mean, Or one the... of the many pre-Hartnell. Yeah, well, exactly. It would be a different regeneration cycle. If Smith was indeed based on Moffat's calculations in Time of the Doctor, <sighs> Smith was the 30th incarnation of that body, then that means that she... Hartnell, pre-Hartnell, there'd be a different regeneration he's, cycle. He's recanonizing Brain of Morbius. Yeah. The Brain of Morbius mind not... jewel. Let's just hope they're not all, like, seven white dudes with, Victor... with Victorian facial hair. Um... They're all <laughs> Alan <laughs> It's Joe Martin. Also, Alan Moore. 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 William Hartnell. Patrick Troughton. That bloke in Demon. John Pertwee. I think I'd make a really great doctor, actually, because I just don't give a fuck. Fair enough. About anything. Me, the little girl. I don't. Honestly, I don't mind if she ends up being pre-Hartnell and did the first. Because here's the thing: lest we all forget. There's so many people who are complaining about the idea of her being pre-Hartnell who also loved the Cartmel master plan hmm. and wanted to know all about that stuff. Hartnell definitely was not going to have been the same Doctor who started Time Lord Society with hmm. Omega and Rassilon. Hmm. Like, there would have been another regeneration cycle pre-Hartnell for sure. And we, we as viewers, are the only ones who view Hartnell as the first incarnation. Yeah. Because we've been told... By the fact we've seen him first, well, also, and the fact that they always refer to him as the original, yeah, that's that's it. But we don't know, and as we're learning the series, the Doctor also doesn't know about some shit. The Masters learnt about it, and it's to do with our Time Lord past, our society, what it's built on. I've well, got the a thing feeling is... that there might be all Time Lords may have been brought back again and again and again. 
Like a sort of infinite loop thing. Yeah. I mean, they, they play with that technology in uh, the Engines of War book and, and in Day of the Doctor, it's mentioned the idea that Time Lord's dying again and again. Like, if they're, if they're not outright killed by the Daleks, they, of course, regenerate. Yeah. They get no time and they're sent straight back into battle. And and the idea was that they were they were starting to resurrect Time Lords. I mean, they did it with the Master. They did it with Razalon. So it's entirely possible that it's this whole abomination. The, the the thing the Master's horrified at is we are not in charge of our own destinies because eventually they just put us back in the box and hit reset. Could be that. Interesting. Could be that. On that note, you should watch The Endless on Netflix and that's all I'm going to say. Okay. Um, okay. I don't want you to messing up the canon. <laughs> this is a show about time travel. The canon is flexible at best. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. To say the least. Uh, and we've seen in the show, examples in the show of, of history being changed on a whim. Oh, yeah. Not yeah, just yeah. things like, you know, Turn Left and Father's Day that play with that. But again, we were watching Pyramids of, Pyramids of Mars this week. Sarah Jane and the Doctor discover the shit that's going on with Sutek at the Priory. Pyramids of Mids. And Sarah Jane's like, look, if we just if we just get out of here now, everything will be fine. The Doctor's like, right. So knowing what we know now, I'm going to take you to London in 1980. I'm from 1980. Are you Sarah yeah. Jane? Well, well. I'm from 1980 slash 1970. At some point, she will be. And <laughs> he then he then takes her forward to 1980 in London. Yeah, and, and the it's Earth just is gone. scorched yeah, yeah. to fuck. That's one of the few examples in the show where they just sort of go like, "Right, I'm going to take you to the future now as it stands without us getting involved in this." Oh look, the Earth is dead. Should we go back and fix it then? Which is, is, you know, the show doesn't do a lot of because it focuses a lot mainly in the modern era on fixed points in time and all yeah. this stuff. Um, but, but yeah, again, that's time inconsistent. Could be, time yeah. could be rewritten to fuck. This might be a future, far future incarnation of the Doctor. Do you know what I mean? Who's just that far removed. Like, she's like 20 um, lives ahead or whatever. Like, I don't mind him playing with the continuity as long as it doesn't, as long as it doesn't like egregiously fuck up a lot of what's gone before. But it's introducing spokes to the wheel. But again, with time travel, you don't have to worry about that because everything that has happened up to this point has always happened. True, but then you can do what Moffat... Until it hasn't happened. You can do what Moffat did and recontextualise Eccleston's first series into not the story of a a person suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, post-war like trauma, and instead it's a story about an idiot who forgot that actually everyone's alive. Uh, but Day of the Doctor's recon- Day from, of the Doctor's from, one big crime recontextualizes the Ninth Doctor. From his point of view, he's still a lone survivor with survivors. That's guilt. true, but like we can't use the Obi Wan defensive from a certain point. Of a view. certain point of view, because <laughs> um, you know, yeah, we can. Why can't we? Why can't we? Of course. But that's the thing you can choose to, and as I do, you can choose to watch Series One, knowing the events of the Day of the Doctor, and still believe that in that at that point in his history, he did commit double genocide. Day of the Doctor in his personal future is where that narrative changes. Well, it's not. And, yeah, but that's the thing. It's not whole... about what we know as an audience. It's about what he yeah. believes as a character. True, but also like the weight of it seems a little silly. If he it's just like at any point he could just do some do some searching. And well, find the thing, out like, about it. What, he did but commit double, again, double, double genocide, but then because of the events of Day of the Doctor, he doesn't. Exactly. So they retroactively change it it's retcons so both of them happened yeah so when you watch Day of the Doctor when you watch series one he still did that horrible shit unless you choose to think of it as Day of the Doctor happened immediately before this or you look again it's about time innit but then Day of the Doctor it's not a linear thing it's not linear Day of the Doctor both did and didn't happen immediately before series exactly so you can choose to look at it however you want 
like the Hartnell thing. Yes, is exactly. Hartnell Incarnation one? Yeah, as far as we knew, but maybe he wasn't. He is until he isn't. Yeah. Um, so I'm up for it. Thoughts on the mess fact... Mess around with the continuity. It's so much time to mess around with canon all you want. <laughs> Thoughts on the fact that all the episodes in Series 12 so far have been set on Earth? Mm. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, a bit, bit of variety would be nice, because that was sort of something that... that the Russell era excelled in giving us an anchor for its companions. Yeah. But as a result, there were very few alien planets in that first three years. And it, it looks like next week is the same. So much for the tagline space for all. Yeah, um, it would be nice. It'd be nice to yeah, get off Earth. Yeah. It'd be nice to get off Earth. I mean, we thought we were off Earth in episode three, but we weren't. Spoilers. So, um, it'd be, it would be nice to get off Earth. Yes, please. Please do that. And there's yeah, been, there's been a lot, all the off Earth stuff, this series and last has mostly been spaces between reality. Yeah. Like the home of the Kasavin in Spyfall. Or the... That was uh, the, creepy, that the, ca- the caverns leading to the mirror world and it takes you away. The, uh, the I can't remember the name of the, the aliens now, but in Demons of the Punjab, their ship was just sort of... It was underground and just sort of slightly out of skew with everything. Yeah. Around it. Like, it seems like the, the most... The furthest these guys travel in this era is just just left of centre of reality. Yeah, it'd be nice to have an alien planet or two. I hope I hope that does come around. I agree. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Tom. Um, that was meaty. This one comes in from uh, our Australian friend, Jack Mills. Hi, Jack. He hope says, everything's okay with you, Cockle. He says, G'day, big damn mates. Hey! Um, Jack again, here to talk about the latest Doctor Who episode. I'm not sure if I liked Fugitive the, the Jadoon. It felt like it was written by a fan of the Russell T. Davis era on cocaine. <laughs> That's actually a pretty that's good not summation. a bad. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's that works. <laughs> I wish I could enjoy it as much as other fans are, but it felt uh, it felt like too much fan service for my liking. Oh, which is, we, we which is you, odd we because enjoyed it more, so many probably. of the people who describe themselves as fans hated it. <laughs> it's one of those. It's either too much or not enough fan service, depending on who you talk to. <laughs> uh, but hey, um, the only return I liked was the Jadoon. As much as I love him, bringing Captain Jack back felt unnecessary. Instead of blatant fan service, I would rather new characters for this new era of the show. Yeah, I, I think there's room for both. Um, that would end up becoming just as memorable as Captain Jack. That's a hard thing to replicate, isn't it? That's the thing. That's true. Um, That's true. Yeah. Uh, so I don't. I didn't I like. I kind of get that a little bit though. Like I, we don't have any recurring ones just yet from this era, and it sort of feels like. We could. There's room for that, but maybe again because it's a busy TARDIS team, they don't want to. Yeah, there's a lot going on already. Space. You've got fitting, you know, four main characters plus guests in every episode. I'm, I'm surprised um, Mr. Big's not popped back up yet because they sort of leave that open ended. Yeah, obviously he wouldn't be Captain Jack, but it'd be nice to have like a minor antagonist in the form of a, of a, a millionaire wannabe politician on Earth. I mean, it's not like there's not a few of them about already. Because um, they've killed off Unit as well. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, you know. Um, let's have let's have some recurring characters who are maybe more antagonistic. So I didn't like the chameleon arch gimmick returning either, but it did bring us the new this new Doctor with other Time Lords. This makes the Gallifrey arc we're getting much more complex and interesting, and I mm. can't wait to see where it goes. Mm. Cheers! I think I'm the same as Jack on that one. Like I, I, the fact that they're just throwing everything at it, I'm just like. I have no idea where the fuck this is going to go, but I'm so down for it. Yeah. Especially Gallifrey, because we spent years with it being a, a motivator for the Doctor and who he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now, and now that you know, Matt Smith's incarnations, like, is that what I've got to do now? Go looking for Gallifrey, and you're like, oh shit, this is the show's mission now. And then one episode later, they resolve that with, oh, it's in a pocket universe, and we're going to keep it there because it's in danger. Oh, and then they return to it in Capaldi's kind of. You're like, danger, Will Robinson. Huh. 
Oh, is it back to just being a boring, stuffy, like, aristocracy and, and a... Yep. Like, political <laughs> quagmire. Oh, that's really dull. Oh, and you're... Rassilon again. Good. Oh, but now it's destroyed. Well, that's kind of oh. stupid that the two main things it's done in its se- in the series, in the modern era, has been has been being destroyed. Think, well, well, every time well, they've tried to use it and make it interesting, mm. they've kind of failed. Yeah, so, but, but it, it would have been better... As weird as it sounds, it would have been... It would have felt less weird that it's just, oh, we've destroyed it again as a story thing to me if when we had revisited it in that interim, they would have done something cool with it or something different with it. But I it. think this leads the way for them to do something cool with it. Yeah, that's uh, that's why this, that's, this that's gives why me hope interested. that it's like, Gavra's destroyed again. Was it for nothing? Just for forced drama? No, quite, because we're going to learn some I quite like, shit about it. I quite like the idea that Time Lords are bastards. Well, I mean, and Gat. They, and they hide, yeah. Like, Gat was nasty. Well, we've seen plenty of nasty Time Lords, but I, mm. and I feel like them being nasty enough to send the, the master into a sort of genocidal rage against them. I mean, he's kind of genocidally rage-filled anyway. But the, the fact that they, they, they've... Especially this incarnation, he's very trigger-happy. Yeah. He's, they, they've, he's found something heinous enough about them to be like, right, well, we'll fucking wipe them out then. Mm. Um, is is interesting. So I'm... Yeah. And not in like a big, the moment will end everything in a blink of an eye kind of way. In a, yeah... You're going to go there, and by the time you visit, it's still going to be on fire. Yeah. Like, I'm going to burn it to the ground. Yeah, but it's, it's also a case of... It'd be nice to see places other than the Citadel and that fucking barn as well. Let us, sure we'll let us not forget... <laughs> let us not forget that Gallifrey <laughs> fired the first shot in the Time War way back in Genesis of the Daleks. Yes. They made the first strike. Yeah. They made the first strike in, in trying to interfere with uh, Dalek history. And they didn't even do it themselves. They sent one of the, they sent a fucking renegade to do it so they could go, wasn't us, honest. Then the destruction of Scaro in um, Remembrance is seen as another side to it. That was the Doctor. Which is what prefer. Yeah, but that then united Well, no, it was it was the it was the, the Joe Martin don't shoot me gat, don't do it yeah. play of like don't use the hand of Omega Razalon. I'm doing it anyway. Right, well you destroyed your planet. Well um and then that's Well done. Presumably that's when the Dalek warring Dalek factions were like, Yeah, we need to unite and do something about this. Um and yeah, like, Unlimited Rice Pudding etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Fucking love um, that scene. So yeah, it's I just mm, yeah I'm looking forward. To, I'm looking forward to where this could go. I'm looking forward to where Picard could go. I'm looking forward to bringing you guys fresh new content every week. Go to Patreon.com/slash/BigDamnCast to help support the shows. We've got Big Damn Love, a beautiful video essay about things that give us an emotional throbber. We've got Twitch.tv/slash/BigDamnStream live streams throughout the week from both that channel and my channel hosting over there. We have got beautiful nonsense and occasional whiffles on the Twitter, at Big Damn Cast. And of course, you can get in touch with the show, like the two fine folks who did This Afternoon by Jingo, as it now is, as the time of recording. Oh, fucking hell, yeah. Did. Uh, Big Damn Contact at gmail.com. We'll read out your emails in the show, respond to questions, and all that good shit. Um, if you take part in all of our whiffles and waffles, then you win an exclusive part. Wait, jeez, in your ears. <laughs> <laughs>